that one should be going too. So I'll just state for the record then that my name is Michelle Marino and I'm here interviewing Anthony Miles Sr. Is that right? Yeah. Senior? Yeah. And you go by Tony? Yeah. Tony? Okay. And today is Friday, November 9th, 2018 and we are at his house located outside of Bogstown, Indiana. So I'll start by asking just when and where were you born? I was born in 1508 Pleasant Street in Fountain Square area in Annapolis, in the house. My, it was my grandmother's house. Wow. And when was that? June 20th, 1932. Wow. Oh, okay. Um, and what were your parents' names? My parents, my father was Harry Lawrence Miles, and my mother's name was Mary Abigail Miles. Okay. What was her maiden name? Sedam. S-E-D-A-M. Okay. And were they from Indianapolis, or where were they from? My father was born in, uh, what's the county out there, Newmarket, uh, Crawfordville, uh, Montgomery County. Yeah, gotcha. And he was born there in Newmarket, okay. the town of Newmarket. And uh, my mother was born in Indianapolis. Okay. And uh, they were both at home, but they didn't go to hospitals. So. Yeah. Now, did your family have longtime roots in Indiana, or did they come from elsewhere? Well, they a long time. They were in Crawford, Crawford, or Montgomery County. Mm -hmm. I, I go back quite a ways on that. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not sure about my mom's side, but they were in Indiana for a long time. Long time. Around, down around uh, uh, just south of uh, Brooklyn, Indiana, around in that area down there. Yeah, okay. Um, what were your parents' occupations? My father was a bus driver in Annapolis Transit. Okay. We were a streetcar. Mm -hmm. And my mother was, she was, had worked as a waitress downtown at an Italian restaurant on, oh. on North Illinois Street. Her, a friend of hers, family owned a restaurant. Okay. And, and uh, they were the first block in North Illinois. And I guess that's how they met because my dad was driving a bus. Oh. <laughs> okay. Did you have siblings? A sister, one sister. Okay. And were you older or younger? I'm the older. She's two years younger than I am. Two years younger. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, how would you describe your childhood? Well, happy. Mm -hmm. We lived, I know I don't remember, but I lived in a, we, they had rented a house on Hamilton Avenue, which is just north of, right off of 10th Street. Okay. And then they had an apartment up over the drugstore at 10th and Sterling. And then my grandfather had a shoe repair shop on East 10th Street, just a block from that, mm -hmm. across from West Drive Wooder Place, and he had a shoe repair shop. Well, then my mother and dad moved into a house just behind that on Windsor, which is a street just north of West Drive Wooder Place. And we lived there until my dad left when I was 12. Mm -hmm. and my mother and I and sister went to the Hamilton Theater or something. She took us to the movies. And we came back from the uh, theater and there was a note on the refrigerator with a $5 bill. He went to California. Wow. Some of the woman. So never saw him again? Or? Oh, I saw him later. He, he had a little regrets about, I think, leaving, but mm -hmm. nothing serious. Yeah. Uh, he dumped my mother, so he did. Yeah. And uh, and so there were, these people think they're poor. They haven't seen poor. <laughs> uh -huh. She couldn't. They couldn't pay the rent on the house we had. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Because I bought it for $3,200. That was a nice house. Yeah. She couldn't afford to rent, so we had to move over on the next street, which is Newman. Mm-hmm. They had a, it was a rental house over there, which had apartments, and we had a two-room apartment upstairs. Wow. Three so hours left. Did she continue waitressing, or did she have to find a different job? She, she went on. She 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 hadn't worked while I was after I was born. Okay. Mm-hmm. She hadn't had a job. She found one working at a printing company for forty-five cents an hour. Working where? At a printing company oh, down printing down. Company. down mm-hmm. It was on South Meridian. It's not there anymore. Yeah. But, uh, wow. That must have been hard. Well, it was for her. But I wouldn't. I didn't know he was poor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So well, she we did... shared the bath with two or three other families. Wow. This wow. So she did a good job of sort of trying to keep normalcy for you guys? Well, yeah, she did. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And now, did you still have grandparents that lived nearby? Or... They were dead. They were dead at that point. They were dead. They were all gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my mother went through a lot. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it. Wow. And, and I was a paper boy at 12, 13. And mm-hmm. I had a paper out and I mm-hmm. cut grass. Mm-hmm. No, no. When I wasn't playing ball, I was working in a drugstore or something like that, making money. So did you feel like you had to help contribute to the family? Well, I had, yeah, I was the only male. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but we, again, we had a good neighborhood mm-hmm. back then. And uh, even in that squatted house we lived, it wasn't that bad, but it had heat and all that. There's a lot of people living there, but part of the part of the neighbors were decent people. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have any money. Yeah, so, so they really helped out. In fact, one of them was one of them is a retired preacher <laughs> on the west side. He and I, he were navy together and mm-hmm. played ball together. Yeah. So, uh, who would you say are the most influential people in your life growing up? My mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just some of the neighbor men. Yeah. Across the street was an Italian family, and they were. Uh, I played ball with their son, and mm-hmm. their dad. We played cards together with their dad, and mm-hmm. people on the street. Yeah. Uh, things were different then. You yeah. could walk to where you went. Yeah. Uh, and when you say ball, do you mean basketball or baseball? Well, I or? played all of them, but on the varsity team, uh-huh. that was football mm-hmm. and uh, track. Okay. And baseball. Mm-hmm. What was your position in football? Fullback. Fullback. Okay. I still have my helmet. <laughs> wow. From Tech. You yeah. want to see it? Yeah. Maybe. Well, let's. We'll okay, continue yeah, on. I'll, you can I'll, show I'll, me here in a little bit. It's leather. White leather. Yeah, that's neat. That's a neat thing to have. But my, I was a fullback. I wasn't the best, but I was feeling good. We played all the whole. You played offense and defense, both then. Wow. With T formation. Uh huh. Well, I, I was. A, Decent fullback, and uh, my youngest son, who's a physician, was a fullback at Howell. Okay. Uh-huh. And he got a fullback scholarship to Indiana Central. Oh wow! My grandson, Anthony Jr.'s son, mm-hmm. was a fullback at Cecina. Oh. Uh-huh. And made all state. Wow. So it kind of runs in the family. Yeah, I'd say but so. We're not big. Yeah, but. You need different sizes. Too. Huh? You need different sizes. Well, for position. Uh, speed and quick movement Agility. makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, you know, Brian, the doctor, he, he and I are the same size. Mm-hmm. They like to kill down at Indiana Central. Yeah. University. Huh? And he wanted to go to medical school. 
So he was living on campus playing football. The first or second year, I said, give it up. Yeah. Because he, he, he was outweighed 200 100 pounds anyway on most, yeah. of, most of the team. Yeah. But he was tough. Yeah. But uh, I said, so I said, give it up. Mm -hmm. And make so you can go to medical school. Yeah. That's, that's another story itself. Yeah. I had to fight him in there too. <laughs> Goodness. Um, well, what understanding, if any, did you have as a child about politics or your family's politics? None. Mm -hmm. I, I except I read a lot. I uh, my mother taught me to read at an early age, mm -hmm. and then my sister, and. Uh, uh, there was a library about three blocks from our house, Spades Park Library, which is over on Commerce and around mm -hmm. in there. And I'd walk down there all the time. I'd get books out and, uh -huh. and I'd read a lot. Uh -huh. And uh, I saw things happening around here and there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Just did. Yeah. So, um, when you keep mentioning your sister as well, what was her name? Shirley. Shirley. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, She's a widow. She lives over in your stop over. Yeah. So I know you graduated from tech, right? Mm -hmm. What schools did you attend as a child? 33. School 33 was on uh, Sterling Street at 12th, okay. which is now, I think, an old folks home or something. I don't know what the hell I did. Yeah. I was a traffic boy there mm -hmm. and raised the flag every morning. Uh -huh. And uh, we walked to school. Walk back. Mm -hmm. Nobody fed our lunch. Mm -hmm. My mother gave us money to buy milk and graham crackers. I think we were a nickel then. Mm -hmm. And as, as she made more, a little bit more money, then she'd leave us lunch money. Yeah. And we'd go to a restaurant or something to eat. Yeah. Or else come home and eat. Okay. Um, so it, it sounds like you were, you know, interested in reading and things like that. Did you have a favorite subject growing up or, you know, interest? History. History. Mm -hmm. Those what? who will not learn from history are doomed by it. <laughs> yes, wise words. Um, and obviously you were interested in sports at a young age, so did you play through the school or did you just play in the neighborhood? Both. Both? Yeah, the, that was another thing about, I got the police. Brookside Park had a, the police athletic league was there. Okay. And back in those days, the, the fraternal order police ran those and the city paid the policemen salary that ran the park. So there was a policeman in each of the city parks, or maybe two. And they provided the athletic stuff, and then the Fraternal Order Police, which I've been a member of mm -hmm. ever since I joined the department, provided the equipment and raised the money. We even had a camp one time down in Martinsville, so they inner city lunch, now, now, they, now they feed on lunch every day. <laughs> we don't do it anymore. But, uh, I got in, or I, I, I was the coach for the, the, the little kids at, at Brookside Palco football team. Oh, okay. And the policeman there ended up, I ended up being with him on the department. So you were aware of the police presence in yeah. the sports oh, yeah, leagues? Yeah, oh, yeah. My mother taught you, you don't run from the police, and if you need help, you ask them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I know you also were involved in music. How did you get involved in music? Well, I just, I just love jazz, old jazz, uh -huh. and, and, and big band. Uh -huh. And uh, I, I was in a band at Tech, or I took band, you know. Yeah. I was playing French horn. <laughs> but anyway, the best man of my wedding 
and I were in band together. He played the baritone horn. I was playing. Well, we got thrown out of band for jazzing up there. <laughs> but, but we still we made the class. But we yeah. had to go to the principal's office and all that. But uh, maybe worth it. I always loved Dixieland song, the mm -hmm. Mormon song, and, uh, as a kid. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, and, and it didn't think it didn't sound right if it wasn't a, a banjo rhythm. Uh -huh. uh, so I decided I would learn playing. I played drums when I was six years old uh -huh. in, the church, in a church orchestra. Uh -huh. And uh, so I said, oh, I'm going to get in. So I started playing drums out a little bit. I got, and uh, I decided I'm going to learn banjo. And uh, so I could play Dixieland banjo. Uh -huh. And I did. That's fun. And I, I was just learning banjo when I was a drummer. And it was the ladies, it was 1972. One of the guys who worked with me on the department's aunt played banjo. And I said, well, I'd like to talk to her. Well, I, so I, I got together with her, and uh, she, she had a band. There were four women. They wanted me to join their band. <laughs> and I did, and I played with it for two years. For every time I was off, some weekend we played. Yeah. And uh, they're all dead now. Well, they said, no, the, the keyboard player still alive. Mm -hmm. She was missing an apple at Butler when she was 19. Wow. And, she, and she's 70 now. She still looks like it. <laughs> she's, a, she's a hairdresser up in Carmel. Uh -huh. But uh, we, we played everywhere around the state. Yeah. What and was the, the name of the band? Indy Five. Indy Five. And, uh, and so, I, and so we had about two years, and I was playing with other groups too. Mm -hmm. And uh, the chief of police said, "You're going to the FBI Academy." Well, one day I'm, I'm training commander. You know, my office was above in the city county building, and uh, Churchill was chief of police. Winston Churchill. He used to live out here. Wasn't supposed to do what he did. But anyway, he and I went on the department together. He went to Tech, he got out in 48. I didn't know, he, know him then, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he didn't, he was not athletic or anything, but there was, but we went on the department together. Well, he and I got along on the department. He trusted me. And uh, so I'm training commander. It's what, yeah, because we did our own academy. Mm -hmm. It was still good. But uh, he called, he said, come down to my office for a minute. And I said, okay, I got it. He said, what are you doing next summer? And I said, well, I don't know. I said, he said, I want you to go to the FBI Academy. And I said, well, let me call my wife. And I said, what do you want? And he said, you're going to the FBI Academy. <laughs> Chief of Police said, you're going. Well, I think he was getting political pressure to send somebody that he didn't want to send, and he trusted me. Mm -hmm. So that was the... The last time we played on the riverboat down there on the Ohio River, this Bell Lobo, mm -hmm. yeah, that well. week, I told the girls, I said, I'm, I'm next month I have to go to Quantico, Virginia for three months. So I left. And, yeah. And, uh, so we went over there. So, but then, oh, two nights ago, I had dinner with the secretary of the musicians' union. Mm. I met him when he just got out of Butler. Uh -huh. And we're playing in a jazz band downtown <laughs> together. Wow. And, uh, so I'm so I've been playing for a long time. Yeah. I just I've played I've played in every large city in the country. Wow. Except New York and Boston and I don't like it over there anyway. <laughs> but Los Angeles. Yeah. Goodness. Arizona, Colorado, Florida. 
That's amazing. And so do you play, do you still play banjo or do you play drums or what do you oh, play? I, I sold my drums, I well. carry all that stuff around. I still play a little banjo. I played uh, ukulele the other day for my tech high school bunch. <laughs> They yeah. launch it yeah. once a year. Yeah. And we'll play ukulele or whatever. I don't go out anymore. Yeah. Much. Well, I wanted to clarify. So I know you went to tech, but I thought, did you graduate from tech or how? Tech. Tech. Did um, you go to how? For for about three weeks. Okay. One time I got suspended at tech. Okay. I don't remember why. <laughs> okay, but you graduated from tech. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And jumping back a little bit, just thinking about the timeline, you said you were born in 32, right? Uh -huh. Did World War II affect your upbringing at all? Well, sort of. How I so? Remember, I remember that morning on the radio. That's good. Pearl Harbor's bomb, of course. I've learned a lot about that since then. Yeah. And new people that were there. But, uh, yeah, it affected, yeah, it was shut down a lot of things. Mm -hmm. There wasn't much going on. And, of course, money was tight, too. And, uh, well, we made it. I don't I, I, I remember the war ended, I was selling, selling newspapers on the corner on 10th Street, extra papers. I bet that was a big deal. Yeah, I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then in 49, I, I went with the Navy. Mm -hmm. but, uh, then, but I, before that, I learned, learned a lot about they were raising scrap money. I used to pull my wagon around and pick up stuff, you know. Yeah, stuff like that. Okay. Um, as a child, you know, growing up in Indianapolis, did you think about or have views about living in Indiana or being a Hoosier? Did that mean anything in particular to you? Well, only what little history that I knew about Indiana at that time. Mm -hmm. I knew it was an important place. Mm -hmm. It was the crossroads of America. That's right. And uh, all the railroads came in, and the highway, the highway solved the railroads, of course. Right. But yeah, what's it like the Musicians Union? Local number three, Chicago, Cincinnati, and Indianapolis. It was a, this was an important city. Mm -hmm. There were more cars made here than there were in Detroit. Wow. Yeah. I know that because I, <laughs> I ran the organization for the Hoosier Auto Show, mm -hmm. but, uh, and we did the history. But uh, it was an important place, mm -hmm. and uh, I knew this was Indian territory before one thing. And I read a lot of Zane Gray books. Mm. You ever hear him? The, I'm trying to think of. He wrote about the, the West. Oh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. He was very, you know, back then it was important to people. It's not now. But yeah. He was a very prolific author. Interesting. But uh, yeah, and uh, just Tecumseh and Sherman. Mm -hmm. Uh, it turns out that uh, the chief of the terrorist Indians, of the Creeks, was from Indiana. And his dad was a Scot, his mother was a Creek, and he became the chief that fought Andrew Jackson down in Georgia. Yeah. But, but anyway, yeah, there's a lot went on here because of all this location. Yeah. And uh, I was real proud of that. Yeah. So you were at least thinking about and learning the history of the state. Well, and I, I, the history it was interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Me too. Okay, good. <laughs> so, um, so you graduated in high school then in 40... 51. 51, okay. Um, I horsed around a lot. <laughs> okay. Well, so were you in the Navy first? After. 
after. Okay. So describe your employment. I'm history. sorry. I'm 49. Er I joined the Navy with the Reserve, and then the Korean War started. I lost track of my years there. What did I graduate? Well, I probably have it. Where did I go in? I can't remember what year. Here, I think I have. You graduated in 51 mm -hmm. from high school. Yeah, where did that paper go? Right there. So you joined the Navy before you graduated? I think, yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. Was it? The Reserve. The was, Reserve. That was an eight year enlistment at that time. Oh, wow. And several of us from high school there. Okay. In fact, my preacher friends. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, so then the Korean War started. Well, I. When I joined the reserve, then it was an eight-year enlistment. That's long. Well, and so after two years, then you were still in the reserve for six. Well, after eight more years, if I say 12, and so I hung with it yeah. for 26 years. Wow. And went a lot of places. But, mm -hmm. uh, so did you serve in Korea or? No, not in, I never got there, fortunately. I, I lost some friends there, mm -hmm. and uh, from high school and from the Navy. But uh, my barber was on a destroyer off the coast. Of the, but he and I went to high school together. Well, he's not my barber, he's dead now too. But, uh, I got to the Pacific, I was on a ship in the Pacific, but we didn't get that far over. Okay. And then I ended up, after, after uh, then, that, that two-year time, mm -hmm. I went in the Naval Armory. Was that, now they've turned that into a public school. And they, Wait, you were in where? It's the Naval Armory. Oh, the, the Armory. Reserve. And so the Seabees were needing a storekeeper. I was supply guy. Oh, okay. And so I joined the Seabees, uh -huh. Naval Construction, as a supply guy. So we traveled a lot. <laughs> okay, interesting. Um, so then were you... Finishing school, doing the Navy or Naval Reserves. Uh -huh. Were you working as well? Yeah, or? I worked drugstore. I, I, I filled prescriptions at the drugstore at 19th and College. Wow. It was called Eustace Pharmacy. Uh -huh. Fred, that was his name. And he was short on help. I'd, I'd come in there and work after school or uh -huh. on Saturdays. And mm -hmm. we didn't want to go home for lunch, and I was in charge. Wow. So that was the old days. Yeah, well, yeah. I, 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 so. count, I could count pills. Yeah, I could read. Yeah, and uh, I worked at a drugstore. What else did I do? Probably just pick up jobs where we could get mm -hmm. some. So, do did you have a specific career path in mind, or how did you end up in, in the police force? Well, I, I wanted to go in the FBI. I don't know why. I just, at that time, I liked J. Edgar Hoover, and he was doing a lot of things, and it was important. And, uh, but you had to have a, either a law degree or an accounting degree to go. Really? Well, then at 19 or 20, I'm getting married. <laughs> well, no college. Mm -hmm. So I was a 34-year-old college freshman. When you went back? Uh, after, yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh -huh. And... Uh, my, I want to go in the bureau, but the police, I knew the police on my beat. In fact, I ended up being the captain of one of my guys who were on patrol. <laughs> well, he, he was getting ready to relieve. He was a lieutenant by then, but uh, he was the district policeman and, and the pal club at Brookside. Right. In fact, uh, one of the police I became his captain too that worked on Brookside Park. Because mm -hmm. uh, I, I was, 
I could test, I could read and write. And, uh, the chief of police do that, and the assistant chief did too. And I, and I, I was given the opportunity to do a lot of things. I really was. Mm -hmm. uh, so you knew those guys, and that seemed like a, an avenue. Yeah, and you to... had to have the opportunity. When I was training commander, see, I wrote, I wrote the tests for promotion, mm -hmm. and taught in the promotion school. Mm -hmm. And I. I Graded number one. <laughs> well, uh, I didn't know all the answers, but because right. you, you had a written test, you had an oral test, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. history of employment yeah. and all that. Right. So then, about when did you start with the police department? 1957. 57. Okay, so you were just kind of working odd jobs or, well, or different I was, types I was of jobs. Tax accountant. <laughs> you were a what? A tax accountant. Oh. I was, I got a, they moved the Army Finance Center and were needing people. And I passed the civil service test mm -hmm. and I, I ended up being the accountant for the 5th Army. Wow. <laughs> for the taxes for the 5th Army, yeah. which is the 5th Army headquarters out of Chicago. Okay. When it was there. But, uh, so I stayed there. Well, then I, I knew I wanted to be a police, but you had to be 24 to apply for the police department at that time. Okay. So when I was 24, I applied. But okay. I, I was married, but you know, then. Mm -hmm. So did you move to Chicago or could you do that work here? I did it here. You did it here. Because okay. this, this was the finance headquarters for the United States Army. Okay. But they had the, you know, the different, different divisions that took care of the accounting for. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And now I can't even do my own taxes. <laughs> it's complicated. Well, I, could, but I, can never pay. Uh, I know. Um, so in what ways, especially as you got into your 20s, how did your awareness of politics evolve or as you matured, how did you kind of fall into a... Well, probably just the people I dealt with and, mm -hmm. and watching what was going on in government and, mm -hmm. and knowing when somebody was lying. Mm -hmm. I, I read the Constitution <laughs> uh -huh. and uh, I could read bills. I don't know, just interesting. I, 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 because I, I think this is the greatest country ever founded. It's, just, it's going to hell right now. But, but the Constitution is, those guys that wrote that are great. I had that book that a lot of the forefathers read. It was The Spirit of Laws by De Montesquieu. Mm -hmm. And I found it when I was over at the FBI Academy in George Washington's old town of Occoquan, which is right up close to Montmore, there was a bookstore there, and I found a leather-bound copy, 1768 edition of the Spirit of Laws, translated from the French by his son-in-law, the Baron de Secondant, in English. Wow. Well, I've always been looking for stuff. But yeah. My old boy's got that book down here. Wow. But, uh, uh, I don't know, I just from reading. And, paying attention to what's going on, and, 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 and you got to be a policeman you saw the dirty work in politics. Mm -hmm. And uh, I decided I had to be a part of it somehow. Okay. Well, when you say that, dirty work of politics, what do you mean? What did you well, see from the police side? Well, because there were certain bootleggers that were allowed to work, certain whorehouses that were operating, and nobody could touch them. And I just say, this is not right. Mm -hmm. So, you, do I understand you were saying like you wanted well, transparency? This or is going to be recorded. Hell, I don't care. Don't, 
they don't like me anyway. <laughs> well, just that, just that you didn't like the idea that some people got special treatment? Right. Or... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's not meant to be under our system in the Constitution. Okay, got it. Protect. See, I, I considered what I was as a policeman was a higher gun. I was doing something you had the right to do, but you paid me to do it. But you still had the right. Mm -hmm. And that's still the system. That's, the police powers only come from the citizen. Mm -hmm. Government powers only come from the citizen. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's been my philosophy. Yeah. Interesting. But okay. don't make any hero out of me, though. Because <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them don't care. Yeah. But I've had a good life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so... You, so you were in the police force for a while, and then you went back to college. Is that right? Well, I stayed there. I, I went to college while I, while I was a policeman. Okay. Yeah. And, and where did you go? IUPUI to okay. start with. Okay. Yeah. And I pick up whatever I could. I've got. <laughs> You've got several degrees, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I've got three graduate credit hours in economics from John F. Kennedy College in Wahoo, Nebraska. Wow. And that was taught at the IU Law School by a friend of mine. Okay, gotcha. Who became part of the United States Department of Transportation under Reagan. Hmm. He's dead now, too. Everybody's dead. <laughs> yeah, that happened. But, but anyway, Wahoo, Nebraska. They named it John F. Kennedy College just trying to get the liberal money for yeah. the college, what they yeah. did. Uh, and I've got uh, graduate statistics from the University of Virginia. Because hmm. I, when I went to the FBI Academy, I already had a bachelor's degree. Okay. So there was a lot of classes I didn't have to go to. Mm -hmm. But they, they offered some at the University of Virginia would come in on, see the Quantico, Virginia, the FBI headquarters, that's mm -hmm. big. Yeah. It's on the Marine base. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, since I didn't have to go to all the classes, I took whatever they would offer. So I took the graduate statistics. I didn't understand all of it, but I got, I got the high grade on it. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> but, uh, but I played tennis every day too, because I could find an FBI agent or, or a Marine who wasn't busy at playing tennis. <laughs> so you have a couple of masters, one in like public administration? It's or public administration. Public yeah, administration, yeah. okay. I, I have, I'm an ABD, I'm, I'm a doctor without, a, I didn't do the dissertation. Gotcha. I got so damn bored of reading my own writing. <laughs> and your doctoral committee, sets the standards for you. Well, I had nice guys, but I just got tired of that. Crap. Yeah. But what happened was that I, I, I needed to go on campus to get to finish my doctor. Mm -hmm. And uh, by then, the chief of police, who was Gene Gallagher, another friend of mine, and I was in the, just finishing the legislature, he had put me in, I was in charge of planning and research for the department. But, which meant I could go to the state house when I needed to. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I, I knew I had to go on. I had a boat down the Lake Monroe, mm -hmm. a houseboat. Mm -hmm. And I knew I had to go to camp, and I could go down to our summer school and finish the coursework. So, and I had passed a law earlier as a lobbyist that you could have sabbaticals from the police department, with no pay, but they could give you leave to go. Sure. And. Uh, so I knew I could do that, so I told the chief of police on it. He said, okay. He said, I'll talk to the mayor. Well, I had that was the mayor and I didn't get along at all. And uh, he said, no. The mayor told the chief of police, he can't take leave to go. So I said, I'm retiring in two weeks. 
So you'll get your leave one way or the other. So, well, I, I had 22 years. Yeah. And I knew I, I, I knew I didn't want to be a guard or anything. I wanted to teach is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, which I rather enjoyed. And so I, I went down and lived on the boat for summer. Mm -hmm. And one guy on my doctoral committee came down and drank beer with me. We had steaks. <laughs> well, I had three guys on my committee. One of them was a former dean of the College of the South. Okay. The other one was a former dean of boys at IU, Bob Schaefer, mm -hmm. and, and Jerry. And uh, But I just got tired of it. And I, yeah. I, by then, I was doing the Hoosier Auto Show, which I'd been the treasurer of ever since it began. Mm -hmm. And I was running it full time. And I had opportunities to uh, Pan American University. Mm -hmm. When I, at the FBI Academy, my good friend over there was a Mexican American who was chief of police down on the border, as an American. He was an American at Far Texas. The Pan American University was down there, and they they beat IU in one of the big tournaments a long time with basketball. Yeah. So, uh, I my wife and I and the kids went down and. Chief of police in Mexico, in the city of Mexico, across the border, he's the king. We had a good time. Brian, my doctor son, drank vodka <laughs> or tequila <laughs> in Mexico. Yeah, when in Rome. <laughs> but uh, so I had the job on the faculty if I wanted it. At the, and my friend became chief of police at the on the police at the academy or the college mm -hmm. after he retired from the police department. But I got 1,600 miles from here, and my mother was still alive. My mother-in-law and I gave up. I had a job in Illinois, University of Illinois. Mm -hmm. they, they took me over. Yeah. Wanted to die in me. I got back, and they called and said, we want you in two weeks. I said, oh, who the hell wants to move to Springfield, Illinois? Yeah. <laughs> I do uh -huh. that. I had a job in Washington. I didn't take mm -hmm. that <laughs> well, you did teach a little bit, right? For I taught down here. It, what was uh, the University of Indiana, which is now, yeah. which is now, it's Indiana. Well, University of Indiana it was Indiana Central. There right? we go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, my master's is from there. Okay. And uh, so I taught down there because they had a law enforcement program, and I needed, but I taught psychology too. Okay. And mm -hmm. criminal investigation, mm -hmm. introduction of justice, and all. Mm -hmm. Well, tell me a little bit about your police career, working for the Indianapolis Police Department. Well, I was—I started out as a patrolman, actually, and at my early, long time, I was on the police car at Fountain Square for almost seven years. And uh, at that time, that, that police district, you know where Fountain Square is? Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, you know, we're Prospect Street. Mm -hmm. our, our district went all the way east on Prospect to the city limits, all the way down to Shelby to the city limits. We, two of us took care of a quarter of the city, is what we did. And uh, we took care of whatever, whatever took place. So my, mm -hmm. I delivered several babies down there. <laughs> I've got one name down there. Wow. Because also, at the, there was one tavern down there that uh, I don't know why I got to know them, but they, they were friendly anyway. They were right there on Prospect, at Laurel Prospect, mm -hmm. east of the town. And they had a softball team. I played on the tavern softball team. And I delivered one of the the guys on the softball team's kids. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the one they named after. But I, whenever I had trouble down there, around some of the joints, I usually had help because I, I, 
I played ball with right. a lot of the drinkers. And uh, so I was there for seven years. And, uh, uh, I bowled with a I was a boy, <laughs> and some of the guys, and they had rank on the department because the F fraternal were police sponsored bowling team. But we got to be friends. One, one was a detective lieutenant. He said, "I need you in detectives." He took me in. I got promoted to sergeant after a while. Mm -hmm. He became assistant chief of police, and uh, I became detective lieutenant, and I was charged robbery. Mm -hmm. Now, did that keep you in the same area or over the whole city? Like, where where were well, you then stationed out of? Well, I was a sergeant and lieutenant. I was a sergeant on the east side investigation. Okay. As a lieutenant, I was in charge of the south side investigation. <laughs> then I became detective captain. I was in charge of homicide and robbery. Uh, the whole city. Wow. We had a 90% clerks, right, of murders then. It was a what? Had a 90% clearance rate of solving the, the murder. Wow. Well, so anyway. I bet you saw some pretty nasty stuff. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, you psychologically, I'm still okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah. we, you have no idea the way people treat each other. Yeah, yeah, goodness. It's a lot of hard people. Yeah. But, uh, so I was there, and then uh, as training commander, Mm -hmm. and I, I taught at the academy out there in Plainfield for the other mm -hmm. place and, uh, and held seminars and, those, and then I, with the Navy I also did some, tr some training there with Americanism training officer and uh, I've, I've been to Navy nuclear school. Wow. I've had uranium in my hand. Wow. Not even glow in the dark. <laughs> You're probably lucky about that. <laughs> so what do you mean when you say Americanism training? What, what did that well, look it's like? the Constitution mostly and system of government. And so do you know to, how it works? Yeah, how it's supposed to. That's the, the duty of the Armed Forces, of course. Yeah. Those ways, so. Okay. Well, were you still working as a police officer when you got into lobbying, or did that come later? Yeah, no, I, I was an active policeman. Okay. Yeah, the... Uh, I, I was elected as an officer in the Fraternal Order of Police. Okay. Was a trustee of the, of the organization. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like it's it's like a union, but it's not. It's not a union. It's just an organ. It's a free, mm -hmm. standing organization. If you want to join, you can. If you don't, don't mm -hmm. you can. And so there's no you know whatever we negotiate is not law or mandatory or anything. It's just, it's, you try to convince people. But so I was an officer there. Well then. The fellow that was president of Indianapolis, finally after I was, he and I were elected on the same bunch. Mm -hmm. He wanted me to be the lobbyist. We thought we needed somebody to look after our interests over there, especially the pension. Sure. Because <laughs> it's under state law. And so I became that. Okay. And then, uh, then I became the, the state fraternal police wanted me to do that, and I did that. And then my friend, who first asked me to do it, became national president. He put me as the national. Wow. So and he said my people travel first class, so first class on the airplane, wrote it up for two years. So he did talked you talk to you talk about real this guy? I thought I knew things about the government. <laughs> <laughs> What are you learning? Washington, D.C. At that time, at the time I was going over there, mm -hmm. 
And did you have to move there or you just No, travel? I was going back and forth. I'd fly first class. Yeah. <laughs> and carry my walkman at that time. Because they the air pilots like to have an armed policeman on the airplane. But they can't do that anymore. Mm -mm. But uh, you know, at that time, Washington, D.C. had 17 police agencies had jurisdiction around. <laughs> and the one at the United States Capitol was the Capitol Police. Mm -hmm. They had more policemen than we did in Annapolis. It's a one mile area. And they had more crime there than anywhere in the United States. Wow. That's your nation's capital. That's crazy. Yeah. But even if, when I was like when I was at the FBI Academy, I had to go down and see somebody. If I had a car, the police there had a parking place for me. Yeah. I didn't have to. I could walk up the Capitol steps and go in. But, uh, wow. So then you lobbied for two years at the federal level, right? Yeah. Right? yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. And then I, I, Jimmy Carter was president. <laughs> and I was, I, I was invited to the White House. I didn't go. Yeah. I was too embarrassed. To <laughs> so, so that must have been late seventies, right? Mid yeah, to late. 70s. So, yeah, yeah, towards the late seventies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you were still an active police officer Yeah, I did retire in 79. Okay, 79. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, well, jumping back just a little bit, when did you get married then? I got, well, that's a long story. Okay. Do I hear it? I do. Oh, okay. When I was 19, I was dating a girl who was a cheerleader at Tech. And she was cute all the time. And uh, she didn't get along with her mother. And she, uh, she, was, uh, and she was always unhappy at home in the sense. So I married her. We had a baby. Mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, I was working at what the hell? I was working at Fort Harrison, I guess. Yeah. What were you doing at Fort Harrison? Finance. Oh, the, okay. And uh, I came home from work one day, and we, and we had a hired babysitter. She was working at the phone company. I'm, I'm 19, 20 years old. And you had a boy or a girl? Little girl. Little girl. Okay. She said, "I don't want to be married anymore." I said, well, what the hell does that mean? I, so, uh, she said, I want you to move. So I did. I wish, uh, I still do. Uh, so it turned out, I got a call from a babysitter one day. She said, I haven't seen Judy. And the baby's still here. And I went over and got the child. And uh, my mother helped my mother and sister helped with the baby. She's gone. She's gone. And so I, I went to court and got a quick divorce, a desertion, desertion. Mm -hmm. so I got custody of the child. Right. And she called me a little while later. I think she was in Virginia or Tennessee someplace, drunk and on drugs. Oh. And she died. And uh, Like young? She died young? Yeah. She, one, one, well, she was probably in her 30s. Anyway. Oh my goodness. But she'd been a mess. Yeah. yeah. You just don't know. So. Uh, there I am, 27 years old, and uh, or about 20. I'm a single father. Wow. So, uh, like I said, my mother, and my sister helped, and I, that lady that was taking care of uh, on the east side, she was they were good, mm -hmm. and her, her husband, and her kids. And so, they, if I needed a babysitter, she would do it. Mm -hmm. But my sister, my mother, mostly too. Well, that's it. <laughs> Might need a new one and, there. Uh, 
So, uh, when I was in high school, there was a girl that I knew, mm -hmm. another one, <laughs> worked at the drugstore on the corner. Then you walked everywhere you wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Those were good times. You have no idea what the hell things were good to going down it. But anyway, I'd, I'd say I'd see her down there, and she was two years older than me. I, was, I thought she's kind of cute, but she's too old for me. <laughs> so, uh, she went off to Purdue. And, uh, but while she was up there, she got married. Got, she got pregnant. Well, he left her. Well, I didn't know all this. Yeah. But one day I was having a beer in the tavern there on East 10th Street, which I played jazz in there, and they had good music, uh -huh. and I knew everybody. Uh, and her brother came in, who I knew, and he was in the Air Force, and he was home on leave. And I asked about her. Yeah. And he said, She's at home. I go, well, she's divorced and she got a child. I said, do you think I could call her? And he said, yeah, you can call her. Well, I did. <laughs> we started. <laughs> we named a year and got married. Oh. And what was her name? Marianne. Marianne, okay. And we were married 60 years. Wow. She died two years ago. Oh, sorry to hear that. But uh, it worked out great. Mm -hmm. She had a boy and I had a girl. So we started out with two. Uh -huh. And uh, it was all... Where the hell was I living? I was living with my mom, I guess. Yeah, I had to be because the baby was there. But I had an apartment before mm -hmm. that. We bought a house over there by Christian Park. It was brand new. Mm -hmm. And her dad loaned me a thousand dollars for down Wow. And so uh, we moved in. Had four of us all to start with. Uh -huh. And uh, it was a brand new house. Mm -hmm. And uh, I expanded it after we had several children. We had four more children. <laughs> Yeah, he might need more room. I built two rooms on the back and one upstairs. Mm -hmm. We had plenty of room. Mm -hmm. We lived there uh, 39 years. Okay. So did you live there up until you came here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I sold the place. It was getting hard to sell all you said of it in Annapolis. But I finally sold it. Then we didn't have any place to go. So I rented a townhouse down Southport oh. for six months. And we still couldn't find any place to buy. Mm -hmm. that I can afford and that's where you want to live. Mm -hmm. So uh, I kept doing it month by month. We said, we're there a year. I finally found this place and that's when we came out here and I said, oh, number two boy, I fix it. Yeah. We'll even, by then we had a, a place in Florida mm -hmm. and we spent a lot of winters down there. Yeah. And we lived on the first one on the boat. Oh, wow. In the, in the, yacht, in the yacht basin at Fort Myers. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, um, what were the names of your children? Pardon? What were the names of your children? Well, Hollis is the first one. Okay. Teresa is Hollis is an engineer. He's getting ready. He's Purdue. He runs four factories. He's in Grand Junction, Colorado, right now. Okay. That's where he's home. He's got two factories there. He's got one in St. Louis, Missouri and St. Louis, and one in Palmetto, Florida. Wow. And he's getting ready to retire because mm -hmm. he travels all the time. Mm -hmm. he's, he's had to Europe buy machinery and all. Mm -hmm. They make auto parts. Yeah. And uh, so he's, he was just here. In fact, he, he called me yesterday. They bought a motor home. It was in, they had to go to South Carolina to get it. They drove it back <laughs> through here. Whoa. Uh -huh. But uh, and number daughter Teresa is a retired principal in an apostolic school. Okay. She's married to a retired policeman, whom she was. I used to hire her and her brother, well, stepbrother, 
when I was a personnel director in the summertime, we hired college students. Well, I hired my own kids. Yeah. She met her husband at Police Corps. Yeah. And in fact, she was the secretary in the vice office, and he was on the vice squad. Uh -huh. But they got married. Yeah. So she's retired as a principal. Mm -hmm. And she's got two kids that are a mess. But, well, yeah. She's raising a grandchild yeah. who is a was born a heroin addict. Mother's dead. Tough. But anyway, but financially they're okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, number three son is his name's Anthony. Okay. He uh, was a construction worker. He did roofs and buildings. He did that building. Uh -huh. He's got arthritis, so many can't work anymore. He just say, well, he fell off too many roofs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he's he's getting by. Yeah. Number four child. Brian is the doctor in Arizona, Colorado. What's good? There's a shortage of doctors. Well, yeah. they're moving him around. You got time for this story? Sure. <laughs> well, anyway, he was having a hard time getting to medical school because he went to Indiana uh, private college mm. at the time. And they thought they wanted you to give B's. They thought that was good. They thought C's were good. They didn't like A's. And so he's down there, he's on a football scholarship. He's a, a B plus average. Still pretty good. So, but he's, this is racist, but he's a white boy. <laughs> he's, he's a male. He was having a hard time getting to medical school. He's got three master's degrees in biology, a lot after he, plus, regular BA. Mm -hmm. And then he was doing autopsies for Marion County Coroner. Mm -hmm. He knows medicine. Yeah. Uh -huh. He was still couldn't get in school. Well I had a friend who was a doctor in New Orleans. Who owned a clinic there and one in Belize, South America. Who also was a football player down in Bama. Well I was gonna send him to Tulane. We were gonna to go to Tulane because Boopy, my Simpson Donates a lot of money to Tulane. <laughs> but turned out when Bob Daly, Speaker of the House, I said, I told Bob, I said, they keep turning him down for money. He's got a B plus average for a private college. Yeah. They kept turning down. And I told Bob, I said, I'm going to talk to the director of the medical school. So Bob said, let me do it. <laughs> We got him in. Yeah. He got him in. You know, let's see, there's that favoritism again. Uh, and my Brian's smart. <laughs> yeah. And he's a good worker. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't, there wasn't any money coming mm -hmm. to the medical school the way they wanted it to come and all that. And he got in. Yeah. He graduated. Good for him. So. In, in the meantime, part time, he's still doing autopsies. Mm -hmm. he, he knows more about bodies than half the people that are yeah. graduated from school yeah. out there. Yeah. But uh, so he got through. Mm -hmm. So then he, as soon as he gets out of medical school, Methodist Hospital, they want the new graduates. Well, they're signing contracts, like baseball players. Methodist is giving signing. So they did that. Well, then when the contract was up, they wanted to start telling them how to run their, their medical office. So he quit. Mm. 
We went to St. Francis. Mm -hmm. St. Francis started, bought, he and his partner had a private practice. Mm -hmm. They're across the street from the hospital, St. Francis. St. Francis bought their practice because I couldn't afford to insert that. But then they started telling them, mm. 10 minutes with each patient. So Brian quit. <laughs> Went to a health place over in South Carolina, yeah. where he was the medical director over there. But then again, they put, started putting load, load stuff in. It was a private place. Yeah. They didn't take any, you know, in, in, mm -hmm. insurance, wealthy people. Well, they started putting the pressure on us. Well, it turned out it was an opening in Southern Arizona at the hospital. Mm -hmm. And the CEO was getting ready to retire. And, and so the medical director out there hired Moran to come in and take his place. He became the medical director. Wow. And uh, Sierra Vista is a small place, real small, it's on the Mexican border. But it's right south of Nogales, or close to Nogales. But that's an army base there. See, I've ever, Fort Huachuca was during the Indian Wars. Mm -hmm. before the Apaches. Yeah. Well, it's still an army base in it. A big army base. Wow. And there's a lot of retired military mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. So Brian was the medical director there. Well, due to the Medicare and Medicaid and the paperwork, it's just. Mm -hmm. So he started, uh, he's doing emergency rooms now. Okay. He didn't, he's done a lot of that too. Yeah. But uh, those patients you send off, who have to do the report, you don't have to follow up. Yeah. He, he can, he's, he's right, he's on his way next week to Cheyenne Wells, Colorado to run the emergency room for a week. Wow. They're doing this all over. Yeah. And he's he's still doing his doing his emergency room in, in Arizona. Oh my goodness. He may go may go to Idaho. Johnson County wants him. Mm -hmm. And they pay all their expenses for everything. Yeah. Like so when he goes to he goes to Colorado, they pay his pay his airfare back mm -hmm. and forth, rental car while he's there, a place to live while he's there, brand and, wow. and, and a food subsidy, plus a hundred some dollars an hour, twenty four hours a day. Wow. But how long you know, the country can't stand this? No, no. Because these people build these hospitals and these emergency mm -hmm. rooms out there, there's nobody to fill them. Because mm -hmm. these young doctors, they don't want to go to Cheyenne Wells, Colorado, right. or Bocatola, Idaho, or mm -hmm. this or that. They want to go where the action at. Right. Well, yeah, they get mm -hmm. there and they find out they really don't want to be there. Yeah. yeah. But, so Brian so, was number four. Four? He's number four. Okay. Number five is Gail. She's a hairdresser. Runs uh -huh. a shop up in Castleton. Okay. Uh, she's she's uh, in her fifties. Mm -hmm. Youngest is Annette. She's the one that's loving hair. She works with dollies. Okay. And uh, she's got three daughters, mm -hmm. but uh, one of them's married. One of them one of them's just had breast surgery. Oh. All the way across. Okay. 28 years old. She's the one who was at the athlete. Uh, mm -hmm. And she's a gym instructor at the Y and all that, as part time and all mm -hmm. that. But anyway, uh -huh. she's had that done. Okay. So she's not married. She, her, but her fiance just went on the Franklin Police Department. Oh, the police run through your family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the other girl, he's, he's a white fitter. The young, the youngest at school, she's a junior. Oh, so. okay. 
So, Sorry, huh? oh no, go ahead. What were you going to say? I don't know. That's all. Oh, okay. That's well, so, um, you know, you had uh, obviously you're married and had a lot of kids. Did your family influence any of your career decisions? Well, of course. Uh -huh. yeah, I stayed here. I could have gone. I could have gone to Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have no idea what I almost did. The Rockefellers owned a lot of the Virgin Islands down there. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a state or a federal museum, and I said I probably could have had that job. Uh huh. <laughs> well, you mentioned Keith Beadle. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I knew him. But he was. He, he was a kingmaker, but he did, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't, this, I didn't like him for the things he did, but he wasn't evil to me or anything. Mm -hmm. well, he might have been, but I don't know. But, but he, he, he controlled Marion County politics. Mm -hmm. but I was not the mayor's favorite, nor the governor. The governor didn't like me either, because I voted against the governor's pension and spoke against it. I don't, I don't think elected officials should get pensions. Mm -hmm. So, and I didn't. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Buland's secretary worked for me at the state house when, the, when, it was in, when I was in charge of it. And I knew her anyway, because she was always friendly to me because I was a police lobbyist. I got along with everybody over there. So when Reagan got elected, you know, Reagan's another story. We'll get to that. Huh? <laughs> we can get to that. But anyway, Buland was put in charge of White House personnel and took, okay, <laughs> his secretary with him to go. Well, he also took my friend, Tim Hunter, who was, in, who was director of Intercollegiate Studies Institute, which was a national college conservative bunch run out of Michigan. Tim ran the office, and they took him with him to be on the White House staff personnel. So I, my friend, and former employee were on the staff at White House personnel. That's interesting. And I didn't go. Do you think you could have gone? Yeah. So. You know, I think Tim's dead now. Tim became part of the State Department, and they sent him to Saudi Arabia. Hmm. And when he came back from Soviet Arabia, he wrote a newspaper article about the corruption in American politics in, in a foreign nation. And they printed it in the paper. Hmm. I tried to find him, he's gone. Hmm. He had the kids. He had an apartment over in Washington, D.C. A foreigner answered his phone when I called. Hmm. They probably killed him. It does happen all the time. Mm -hmm. So, is this recently or like back in the 80s? Well, late 80s, 90s. Hmm. And so he was one of the guys who had been over here. Yeah. Your buddy. Yeah. Tim Hunter. And so you don't know he, what happened to him? No. And it turned out my, my friend was editor of the Indianapolis News, mm -hmm. Stan Evans. Okay. Well, he was too conservative. They bumped him out. Mm -hmm. you, you remember Quail? Mm -hmm. Of course. <laughs> well, Quail's daddy was a member of the John Birch Society. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. And uh, Birch Bayh was a United States Senator, mm -hmm. corrupt, let me tell you. Well, I ran the statewide committee to ship out by, and Dan Quayle got elected. Hmm. Now, Dan was afraid of me, because I was too conservative, even though his daddy 
they were in the newspaper in Huntington, and they were part. Of, they were part of the Paul's defense. The people that owned the Star, the Pullmans, they were all relatives. Yeah. But he was just shaky, Dan was. But his mother, his wife was pretty sharp. She was pretty sound. So I, I had contacts. Uh -huh. But I knew so much corruption. And my friend that taught the economics class at law, he, he was in the Department of Commerce. But Reagan was not what everybody said he was. In what way? Well, first of all, as an actor, he was president of the Screen Actors Guild, which was a communist front organization designated so by the House Committee on Un-American Activities. Mm -hmm. A whole bunch of communists out there. Mm -hmm. He was president. They got elected governor of California as a Democrat. And then when Barry Goldwater was running for the president, and Roger Stone, who they're trying to destroy right now, was talked, was his campaign, Barry Goldwater's campaign. Barry Goldwater was a real American. And put, I can't remember the general's name, but the retired general was going to be the vice presidential candidate. Mm -hmm. And they kept a, we're going to nuclear war, and, and, and it just, they destroyed Goldwater. Well, so there was a big vacuum, no conservative Republican. Here comes Ronald Reagan, after it's too late, giving the best speech you ever heard on national television. He became Mr. Conservative. Mm -hmm. So for you, it felt like an act? Yeah. Right after he was president, he presidentially ordered $66 million of my tax money to Congress trying to rebuild their steel industry. You, you have no idea just how, when Roosevelt was president in 1933, mm -hmm. I had to, took me a long time to learn, he declared gold non-persona, non-grata in the United States. You, gold, by then, required gold and silver backing in the winning. Mm -hmm. Roosevelt declared gold illegal in the United States in, in private hands by the presidential order and sent the agents in the banks to get everybody gold out of the the safety deposit box. I've got the pre copy of the order in there. Mm -hmm. He stole everybody's gold. Mm -hmm. And they let it happen. So did you feel like Reagan was doing like the same type of thing behind the scenes? Yeah, yeah we're coming to shout. More and more on Bush became the, the George, the senior Bush became the, the first ambassador to come to China after we sold out the Chinese. Mm -hmm. Chiang Kai-shek was a Christian. Mm -hmm. And he married Mei Ling Sun, who was a Christian. Raised in, she was raised in the United States. Mm -hmm. After Chiang died, Mei Ling married General Claire Chenault, who was the head of the Flying Tigers fighting mm -hmm. the Japanese and the Communists. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows this stuff. Mm -hmm. And John Birch saved Jeremy Doolittle, mm -hmm. they bombed Tokyo mm -hmm. and knew they couldn't get back down the fuel, so they had to crash lantern and parachute out. Mm -hmm. Doolittle was found by Chinese and taken John Birch. John Birch got him out of China. Nobody knows that stuff. They don't, they don't want to learn anything. Mm -hmm. They just go along with the program, and I don't. Well, and I have to, I'm old. <laughs> well, I have to ask this too, because this is interesting hearing your perspective on. 
um, sort of what's going on in the, in the background. So I know too, I think it was um, mid-70s, you were a supporter or a fan of George Wallace. So oh, how, yeah. how did you come to, what was it about Wallace that appealed to you? Constitutions. Mm -hmm. And he was against big government. Of the federal government telling the states what to do. That was the Civil War, if you recall. Still, but he, he was a constitutionalist. Uh -huh. And he loved police. Mm -hmm. He was a big law and order. Huh? He used that oh, phrasing yeah. a lot, too. I had lunch with him on his airplane. Really? Was the chief and the, when he was running for president, they knew they put me in charge of his security. Really? Yeah. Now, did he come through Indianapolis? Yeah. Because I, I know he did yeah, the tours Yeah, I had lunch out there at the airport with him on airport. Huh. He, he was real. And they, they tried to kill him. Who did? The enemy did. They shot him five times. Mm -hmm. So, just from a historical perspective, I mean, Wallace was a controversial figure. For, by, by whom? Well. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like Trump, wasn't it? Well, in some ways, yeah. So, but I know like a lot of, he, he was very outspoken on race issues in the yeah. South. Right. So what, could you separate those things out or what was it, did that matter to you or? Well, no, he was a constitutionalist. Uh -huh. Really, he, he wasn't against the Negroes. Mm -hmm. He was against giving them things extra, but he was also protecting them. He, he was. So it was about following the. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, there's a whole lot of places named after him down there mm -hmm. still. Mm -hmm. And he, he was a states' rights constitutionalist. I think I've read in some, I mean, we haven't gotten to your legislative career yet, but in here too, you were very adamant about right, um, powers being returned to the states. So yeah. how, how did you come, how did that become a defining tenet for you that states should hold? more of the power than, say, federal government or whoever. Because of the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, uh -huh. those who left the states and the people themselves. Mm -hmm. And you felt that that's just been out of whack for... Well, yeah. Well, look at the budget. <laughs> look at all these agencies and this mm -hmm. and that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, again, I... I'm, I'm just a constitutionalist, I guess you would say. Yeah, I so that's the driving piece for you. Know, you. George Mason was a friend of mine. I didn't get to know him, but he was next door to George Washington. And he wrote the Virginia Resolves, which mm -hmm. really became mm -hmm. the amendments of the Constitution. Yeah. But he, he didn't want to leave his home in Virginia or to go to Washington. Mm -hmm. But uh, just those people, and what I knew about those people, and Jefferson, Jefferson and Miss... You know, had a colored baby. You know, crap. There, I, I gave I gave a speech one night out at. Uh, <laughs> where the presidents are carved in the, in the in the rock. Oh, Rushmore. Yeah, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yeah. And I, I felt I felt half of I could get along with the other two. I didn't want. But I, I, had to give I feel like I could guess. <laughs> um, well, it was Roosevelt and Lincoln. Mm -hmm. really, Horace Greeley was it? <laughs> was the owner 
and publisher of the New York Tribune during the, when the Civil War started. Mm -hmm. He printed articles written by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels in the newspaper. The, the editor of the paper was Charles Dana, who was a communist from Europe. Also, he was made assistant secretary of war by Lincoln. Sherman was a communist. Who? Sherman, that Sherman. burned Georgia. Yes, yes, Sherman. Interesting. And his brother was also a communist, United States Senator from Ohio. Mm -hmm. And that just a few of them. They've been in the United States since the 1840s because the revolution failed in Europe at that time, mm -hmm. and a lot of them came to the United States. Mm -hmm. In that, I understand, is one of the driving tenets of the John Birch Society, right? Anti-communism. Yeah, it was anti-communism, but it's not, it's not only communists, but anybody that will usurp the Constitution of the United States and, and support our enemies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, so that's fascinating. How would you account for you know, Reagan is is really hailed as the conservative I know, hero. I know, I know. but but I, I go back before all that happened. See, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Bill Jenner, who was a United States senator from Bedford, mm -hmm. was a friend of Joe McCarthy from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And Jenner was the last good senator we had in the United States, in Indiana. And he would he told us me he he didn't run again. He said, there, there's too many of them over, I can't fight it any longer. They're in control. Now he's talking about what Trump is fighting now, the deep state. They were there. They've been there since for 200 years almost. Mm -hmm. uh, see, Lincoln was second Republican candidate for president. Fremont was the first, Fremont was another one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and because. Uh, the Republicans were Whigs to start with, mm -hmm. and the Whigs then weren't doing the right thing, so they created <laughs> the Republican mm -hmm. Party, which came out of the log cabin Republicans of Wisconsin. You heard about them? Mm -hmm. okay. Well, and the Free Soilers, too, yeah. before that, right? Huh? The Free Soilers? Yeah. Before that, too? Mm -hmm. So, things have been going on for a long time. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get into, well, let's get into your, um, your political career then, and, and sort of how these ideas came together for you. So how did you first more seriously, or how did you become more seriously involved in politics? Well, well I was around the state house a lot. Yeah, for, as a lobbyist. Yeah. Right? yeah. And uh, I've just paid attention to what was going on nationally and locally. And uh, we knew that, that guy that didn't run again in my district was a real liberal. No, we didn't get that story on record. Remind me. So, how did you how did you come into running then for state government? Well, there were a lot of people that I I gave a lot of talks on the east side of schools and this and that. And a lot of people just said, "Why don't you run?" Mm -hmm. My uh, neighbors with the precinct committee went down there, down the street from me, and, mm -hmm. and a lot of people that I knew were active in politics. Remind me what district you were in. Irvington area, east, east Indianapolis and Marion County. Okay. 40, it was 44 to start with, and yeah. it changed the number. But we had all of the east side of Indianapolis, mm -hmm. and Lawrence, mm -hmm. part of Beach Grove, and part of Franklin Township. Okay. And uh, 
I, I've done a lot of things as a policeman also. Done public appearances, talks at schools and things like that. Sure. I knew a lot of people. I guess they were okay with me. They wanted me to run. The churches back me. Mm -hmm. not, not just the church, all of them. Not different denominations, but I had a lot of preachers mm -hmm. working for me. And what, did you belong to a particular yeah, church? I belonged to the uh, uh, Christian Parts Church, it's a Dutch Reformed Church. Mm -hmm. I had to bring the the preacher was was reading the John Birch Society materials, and he got so conservative they dumped him. Oh. Wow! His name was he had the last name in the phone book Thomas Zylstra, <laughs> double Z. He was he was Dutch. It was mm -hmm. a Dutch reform. And mm -hmm. Some of my neighbors went to and the church I took the kids to Sunday school there, and mm -hmm. my wife did and, and worked at the church. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm inclined to be a Baptist, but since I had a good preacher there, and he had, uh, Dutcher Phone's okay with me. They believe in God and Christ. Yeah. So. Uh -huh. Okay, so you had the backing of the churches, and, and people were telling you you should you should run. Yeah. Now, it was a special election, correct? Yeah, to, to get to get yeah, the first time. Yeah, hmm. because someone had resigned, is that yeah. right? Yeah. Someone had yeah, resigned. Yeah. I'm trying to think of his name. I, I have it here, I know, somewhere. Um, he was a preacher out there, but he got messed around with somebody else's wife. Or Daniel Huff. Huff, that's it. He was a real liberal, and he didn't he didn't fit. Doctor, but he was Sweezy's guy. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. See, Sweezy was running a private company and then hiring, paying him off the county payroll. That's I. A newspaper guy came to me with his tax record. <laughs> Interesting. They, they ran some real winners against me, Louis. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you have to campaign much for that first election? Uh, I had a lot of workers. Mm -hmm. I did. I campaigned. I went to schools and, mm -hmm. and, and public clubs and stuff like that. Sure. Did you have issues or talking points? Like, what was important? Most to you? Mostly the control of government. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Too much government and too much money. Mm -hmm. Waste of money. Mm -hmm. And, and crime. See, probably the last guy executed in Indiana was one of my friend. Killed my, killed him. Huh. He, he was Navy with me, but he was also a detective sergeant when I ran homicide. He was shot to death by a Negro robber that also killed the bank guard. But anyway, I, I'm, I believe in the death penalty. Yeah. You know, as long as everybody got a right to prove who this and that, I believe in the system. But uh, if they kill somebody else, they deserve it. Why should we keep them around? Mm -hmm. but Jack Orberg, what's his name? They got killed. Mm -hmm. He and I were in the CBs together, and then uh, I was his captain. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, crime. Now it's terrible. It's just. And so we didn't put up with that. When I was on that police car found square, we didn't have anybody sleeping homeless downtown and anywhere. Mm -hmm. They went to the Indiana State Farm in Putnamville. 
which is closed now. Now it's for ladies. <laughs> but these, we used to, back then, and it's still the law, you had a law enforcement change, you had to be able to prove a means of support and it's a proper identity. Mm -hmm. If you, back then, if you were a bum, we sent you to Putnamville. Mm -hmm. and, and you had to work out there. They raised, they raised the cattle and chickens mm -hmm. and, and made bricks and everything for the state institutions. Mm -hmm. It's not there anymore. There's, they closed Central State Hospital. So do you feel like that's what's caused some oh, of the yeah, problems? Yeah, mm -hmm. There's no control over anything. Mm -hmm. They send the mentally disabled out in houses in the neighborhood. It really affects the neighborhood, doesn't it? <laughs> and it doesn't help the, the patients. Mm -hmm. I played I played the band at Central State Hospital. Mm -hmm. We took the musicians during it. We used to go over and play yeah. for the patients. But, uh, I just had, I had dinner the other night with a guy that still runs the union. But it's, I belong to the union, but I'm not a union guy. Yeah. You know, but I don't believe that it's mandatory. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but again, Indianapolis was music center and automobile center mm -hmm. for the United States yeah. for a long time. Wow. So um, that first election, at least, do you remember who your main opponent was? Yeah, there were some Swedish employees, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, remember, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Uh, actually, it, but, I, I ended up later hiring his wife to work part time down there, though. <laughs> but oh, it was I, a. I don't hold a grudge. Yeah. So, um, it was, was it just Republican primary? Was that where you're. Yeah, just the Republican caucus. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Well, it was the same precinct committeeman. I think that was all. Yeah. And the elected official okay. in that township. Okay. So, so I had the backing of the Warren Township Republicans. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. My guy, Fred Munching, I went to high school with his sister, mm -hmm. and they lived over at Christian Park. But Fred was very active out in Warren Township, mm -hmm. and uh, I almost got him elected congressman. He, he kept. He wouldn't. Well, we tried. Yeah, close, <laughs> close. Um, well, what did your first election day feel like? What was that well, like for you? We were happy. The police were happy. Mm -hmm. and, uh, the president of the FOP stopped by the house and congratulated because he ran my campaign for a while, too. Uh -huh. uh, we just the neighbors. Yeah. Well... I, I was excited. I, mean, I was the first place in elected. Right. Because you had changed that law as a lobbyist, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. In, well, I encourage the change. Sure. Well, did tell me a little bit about that, because I don't think we got that on record either. Um, do, do you just felt like it was unfair the police and fire department well, were cut out like yeah, that? Why other other my else could run for all? I knew why because the police sometimes you know you have the power of arrest and all that, but still, uh, and the police didn't have a, a union like the teachers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> The fire department does, but the police didn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I just felt it was, oh, why is this certain segment of people that really are serving the community can't run for office? Mm -hmm. And we had to beg and plead to get anything done politically because that's how what governed our lives, really. Mm -hmm. The criminal code and, and the, the state law and the pensions and all that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so you ran the special election, and then you had two other elections you would have gone mm -hmm. through, right? 
So did you change your campaign strategy for each one, or is it sort of the same issues, same tactics? Mm, no, we ran as a team, Boz Moon, Dan Burton, and Young Gordon Harper and I. Okay. So name is it Bosma, mm -hmm. Harper? And Miles. Mutz? No, not much. Much. What was the other one? I didn't catch the other one you said. Gordon Harper. Gordon Harper. And myself. Dan Burton. Dan Burton. And, uh, oh, what the hell was the third one? <laughs> well, after a while, it was, uh, it was another employee of <laughs> Sleazy Sweezy. Uh, I'll let you think about it. We can well, he's, he's on the last sheet. I got one. Bosma? Well, Charlie was in the, he was in the Senate. He was in the Senate. Right. I get that confused yeah. because. He's in there someplace. Mm -hmm. I might have thrown him over here with the Democrats. I should have. <laughs> I thought he was in that last, last time I was in there. Maybe they didn't let him in. I don't well, know. you can look at the last oh, one. Oh, that's 78. No. Yeah, here's the last one. because his personality was a dud anyway. <laughs> this is terrible. I know, here it is, Buell, Larry Buell. There we go, yeah. He worked for Sleazy Sweezy. Okay. Both times. <laughs> So was it, um, oh, we can leave that on, yeah, that's fine. I mean, well, I've got lots of political questions here, but was it challenging for you being a more conservative in terms of getting along internally with the Republican no, Party? I had a great relationship with almost everybody. I okay. uh, maybe, maybe, maybe phony, but I, uh, a lot of them would come to ask me how should I vote because they didn't like the conservative writing didn't look bad for them. Yeah. <laughs> how should I vote on this bill? Uh -huh. uh, and I, I spoke against the governor. So they, I got on the floor. They wanted to raise his pension. Well, first of all, I didn't think they should get a pension. And a wealthy doctor. Mm -hmm. He stole about half the land up in Northern Indiana anyway. Did you know about that? Well, you Remember no. about the brucellosis, brucellosis carol? My, I almost I was almost hired to go up there and investigate corruption in Northern Indiana. And for, my the, wife for, says, for the land deal? Huh? For for this land? Yeah, that and wife swapping and all that went on up there. 
you, 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 I'll have to dig deeper, I'm I sorry, guess. Sweetie. No, it's all right. Uh, you, you have no, Frank McKinney, I call him a corporate socialist. It seems like an oxymoron there, but... Well, the Federal Reserve, he needed the Federal Reserve. They wanted to open up. That's another long story about the banking in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Well, I should, well, how old he's dead. McKinney owned the banks. The Hyatt Regency, the, the merchants and all that. Uh, so they had a banking bill. Uh, at that time, it was against the law for out-of-state banks to operate in Indiana. Well, mm -hmm. McKinney wanted to do that. Well, the, the reason was because the big banks had taken over the little banks and wipe out the local ownership. And I was against that. I said, I like that law. The, the bankers in Indiana should bank in Indiana and live here mm -hmm. and run it here. But McKinney was all for his expanding the outside banking company. So he had a big meeting at the High Agreement State out there, the Merchants Bank building. But they had a whole ballroom full of all these legislators and politicians. And he's up there giving them hell about the world, need this and this. And so at the end of the talk, I stood up and I had a question for him. And I said, I said well, do you, do you think we should get out of the Federal Reserve? He said, no, we need to have that. I said, they create money out of nothing. He said, well, he said they do a good job. I said, you are a corporate socialist in front of thousand people. Well, what did he do? He didn't have anything else to say. I didn't either. <laughs> wow. But uh, whatever, they passed it, friendly. I guess why will. Well, they, that, but, that went on for like a decade, didn't it? Yes. But when you come around the, where the Red Mill is down there, mm -hmm. Fred Garber lived there. He's dead now. His wife, his widow, still lives there. His family owned that. Mm -hmm. Well, Fred Garber was a lobbyist for the banks. And Power and Light and all that. High, high doctor. Well, his partner was also a, a lobbyist. He was a lender. Fred Fred was his name, too. What was the last time you seen Garvey? Gar Garver. Garver, okay. Fred Garver. Okay. Okay. So they were lobbying him. And I got along with him, but I, I was always opposed to what they wanted to do. But they were, you know, smiling glad-handers. And I wasn't neighbors of even then, but we knew each other. Sure. When they had a thing in Chicago, they'd you know, take us all up there. I, I went, but I'd, they, they had to do it because I was part of the game. Yeah. The Chicago, Indiana Society of Chicago, and all, they were all big dollars. Mm -hmm. So that, that passed. Well, here come the banks. Mm -hmm. And they took over. Well, Garver went to federal prison because the Berrien County Assessor, who was a Democrat, his, his brother was a judge, <laughs> Berrien County Assessor bribed Garver about this, the property tax and stuff, sales tax on that building, where the Hydrogen City and, and all the banks. Mm -hmm. And they got caught bribing. Well, his partner also was part of the bribery. He, he owned a little bank up in Lebanon, well, right after the bill passed, he sold his bank for three million dollars. The two of them, the partner, and, and but they both went to prison. It's Fred, Fred, and Fred served eleven months in terrible hope. That was the end of his lobbying career. And guess what? His son's a lobbyist now. He's also an attorney. Funny how that works. <laughs> but, but, but that McKinney. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Well, they were part of Northern India, money, money, and corruption and sex. Mm -hmm. And that's where the government was from, mm -hmm. Northern India. The it, banks. It, well, this time, Governor uh, Bowen? Bowen. Like Bremen up in that area? Is that yeah, what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. He had two toes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was, the first, he was the first governor to have two terms, right? Huh? He was the first governor to have two terms? Yeah. 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 One night, uh, you still on recording me? Yeah, do you want me to stop? Yeah, for a minute. I'll tell you the story. <laughs> don't get sued by him, I'm still alive. But then, then again, they can't prove it anyway. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think that's back on. Okay, well, um, so you win the first special election. What did you find, or what were you thinking as you actually walked into the state house well, that first I'd day? Well, I'd been there a lot, but I was just proud. Mm -hmm. well, here I am. Mm -hmm. A poor kid from the east side, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, I made it. Yeah. Okay. Well, how did, I mean... In some ways, this is a silly question because I know you had been around the legislature a lot, but how mm -hmm. did you learn the ins and outs of state politics once you were in it? Well, I already knew. You knew. You knew how it worked. Already. I tell you, as a policeman, people treated me good. Mm -hmm. The Democrats did too. I, the, the Democratic Attorney's Office for the House did a lot more for me than, than Bowen's Republican <laughs> Attorney. <laughs> And I got along with it. Mm -hmm. And they were conservative to a point at that time the Democrats were. Mm -hmm. And if I needed something printed or this and that, they'd take care of it. Mm -hmm. And one of them, I think his, his wife owned an Italian restaurant up on the north side. I can't remember what her name was, Italian name, but they were nice people. Mm -hmm. But the, the attorneys down there that I got to know that worked politically in the house would do, would do things. Mm -hmm. They'd help you around. Mm -hmm. And I'd, I'd say, how, how do you do this? They'd tell me. Yeah. So and you weren't afraid to ask either? Huh? No, no, oh, no. I wasn't shy. Yeah. Did you have any political mentors as you settled in? Not really. <laughs> Not really. Okay. Uh, no, no, it's just, well, we did, we did on the outside. Harper, Harper was a young attorney. Mm-hmm. Is this the Gordon Harper Gordon, you were talking about? Yeah, and uh, we knew some of the people in Lawrence politics, mm -hmm. and they would kind of would uh, they would advise a little bit, but not yeah. much. Uh, the the township trustee for Lawrence Township, Bill Bender, he and I were close friends mm -hmm. even before I was elected, because mm -hmm. he was conservative too. Mm -hmm. He was kept the township trustee, and he returned budget money back every year. <laughs> Your type of guy? Huh? Your type of guy? My type of well, yeah. <laughs> he was the type of guy they elected him and elected him and elected him every time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Fred Monshin was the same way. He was the assessor for Warren Township. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, well, I had those people. Yeah. Okay. And they were Republicans, but they were, we were different Republicans. Mm -hmm. What exactly made you different Republicans? Not going along with the flow. And ask you questions, why? Mm -hmm. anyway. So pushing back when you thought it was and, appropriate. And I could read. Mm -hmm. The Constitution says this. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Well, how did you know the needs and wants of your constituents? 
Whatever coming to you. Mm -hmm. Record it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did you hold events in the district? Well, I'd, yeah, I'd go. Well, they had Republican clubs. He had Center Township Republican, Lawrence Republican Club, Warren Republican. Yeah, I'd go to those mm -hmm. in Franklin. Yeah. So interact yeah, go to that those way. meetings, yeah. Mm -hmm. And become available. Sure. Okay. Was there any methods of communication from you to the constituents? Like if you were working on an issue or a bill, did you put out press releases or was it more just... I'd do it out, just the central stuff out of the state house. Yeah, out of the state Okay. Occasionally I'd get a press release because that was so controversial that I'd get, that'd be on television. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time on Channel 12. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the thing was, that, that, that one, the, the, the internet but Star was kind of conservative. I had a couple of reporters over there that liked me. Mm -hmm. And they would cover. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were and there were township newspapers. There was a pretty good one out of uh, Johnson County, down here, down out of uh, mm -hmm. Franklin, or not Franklin, Greenwood, but down here, and uh, and one of Irvington. They were conservative, and they would give you coverage yeah, of yeah. the stuff. Okay. Um, do you remember the first bill that you sponsored, or maybe the first one that had meaning to you? No. <laughs> no? Okay. I can look that stuff up too. Um, well, you've addressed well, the biggest one was that the abolishing the Federal Reserve. I can imagine <laughs> the Liberty Amendment. Uh, that's funny. Um, Snowden was a California over in the Senate. Mm -hmm. So he helped sponsor that. I sponsored it in the House. You sponsored. I was it. Okay. And your state rep or United States rep Andrew Grandma voted for it. Who? The Carson. Oh, oh. Julia. Julia voted for she it. She said, I said, I tell her, she said, what's this? Mean? She would ask me what the hell things mean. Yeah. She was a nice lady. She was a dumb Republican. Well, but she was, she wasn't all bad. She was a little crazy. She did, uh, ate a candy bar in a legislative meeting and on where she testified. But yeah. you could talk to her. Mm -hmm. Well, that well, tell me a little bit about interactions amongst assembly members, formal or informal, what were your relationships like? Well, well a lot of times I played music at their, at their, at their meetings. Uh -huh. I got along pretty well, whatever. The, the, the staunch, hardcore bad guys, Rordo was one, and uh, who the hell was Marion County? Well, anyway. Mm -hmm. But Charlie Bosman, he was, he was really popular. Mm -hmm. Oh, he and I were great friends. Yeah. And, and I was friends with his son. He's, he's drifted kind of. Mm -hmm. Used to be, he called me back every time I called him. Yeah. Now I don't want to talk to him. Yeah. So you had pretty good relationships across I the did, yeah. I, uh, no real enemies, except political enemies on the outside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about between... No, I would go along with reasonable things. I would, I would yeah. know on everything. Mm -hmm. Well, what about between Republicans and Democrats? I don't want the Democrats. Mm -hmm. Some of them, not the ones from South Bend. But, <laughs> but, but Lee Klingon was a Democrat. He was he, he was should have been a Republican. But he, from Western Indiana, mm -hmm. he and I got along great. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was talk across the aisle and working together on certain things. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. But we made the Columbia Club. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and a lot of them, a lot of them, a lot of them stayed there. Right. And I wasn't a member, but uh, but Jack Ruckelfeld <laughs> uh, was a member. Mm -hmm. And since I was the police lobbyist, he said, "Here's my card. Whenever you need to go there, discharge it, uh -huh. and I'd pay him back." Yeah. Now that's trust. Yeah. And yeah. of course, I joined later after after I was out of the house. And I, I had I put my office down to test. You know the test building is. You know where WIRA or WXL or whatever that radio station is or broadcast. I'm not sure. Well, the test building is on the southwest corner of the circle. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, radio well, I had station an there. In there. Yes. Okay. My uh, Hoosier Auto Show office was there. Okay. And uh, so I joined the club. Okay. Yeah. But but I had I, I had access all the time anyway uh -huh. with Ruckelhoff. Yeah, you, you talk about a guy, a guy that loved police and firemen. Mm -hmm. but, Him, and he loved everybody. Mm -hmm. And if you needed an attorney, he was the voice in the in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so um, did a lot of the business, or at least talking about the bills and who's voting for what, occur on the. <laughs> Floor or was doing care? I'll pause this real quick. Well, did a lot of the discussions around bills or who's doing what? Yeah. Does that did that occur on the floor or did it occur behind the scenes, like yeah, at the Columbia wrong. Club? Yeah, mm -hmm. Did you have? So you said you hung out at the Columbia Club. Some were there other places that you would go with legislators? Oh yeah. Well, when I was a lobbyist, the Lincoln Hotel was still open. Mm -hmm. And. The police had their headquarters over there, and would, I'd, I'd go over there, wait over there. But, but I, you know, maybe the, the restaurant, the Hyde Regency, which mm -hmm. the merchants there. Yeah. Close by stuff. Yeah. The press club, is that still there? I don't know. I think it's closed. No. That's where I held one of my campaign announcements. Oh, <laughs> press club. Yeah. Um, what was I going to ask about that? I'm assuming you didn't stay at a hotel or anything. You stayed no, at I home. No, stayed, I stayed at home. Yeah, during the... Okay. Um, what differences, if any, were there between House members and Senate members? Quite a bit, depending on the individual. A lot of them I thought they were really important. And uh, most of them really weren't, but... Why do you think they thought that? Because of the long term? I don't, because they, well, they had control of a lot of the bills. I can't think of his name. It's a, it was a Senate Finance Committee, uh, Borst, Larry Borst. He thought he was God. He and I had a big argument. Well, he was tied to Bulin some, right? Oh, definitely. <laughs> and himself. Mm -hmm. And uh, you had to go see him about any bill, and he'd see him maybe. And I, I, I called him a rotten son of a bitch on the hall. While I was over Social Security, he's wanting more money. I said, "Yep, you're going to tax him, the people here, so you can live by yeah, You make plenty of money now." He said, "Me, me, 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 me." <laughs> so well, I wasn't bashful. Yeah. And they knew who I was. Mm -hmm. And but I mean, and I didn't do anything publicly, you know. Mm -hmm. or anything like that, but 
he and I did, we got along and we did because he knew I was a Republican. Sometimes they needed my vote. Right, right. But, uh, well, I, but most, most of the Senate, there was just a little haughty, I thought, maybe a little bit. I don't know, because they had four-year terms. Right, right. And a smaller group. Sure. But Gene Snowden, Bosma, uh, there were several there that went along really well. Yeah. Um, what was your relationship like with your seatmates? With who? Your seatmates? Oh, pretty good. Really uh -huh. good. Dillinger and I sat next to each other for a long time, and, uh -huh. he, and I were good. And Gordon Harper and I sat next to each other. Even Buell, we got along, I always told him he was dumb, but <laughs> uh, we got along. Yeah, okay. Um, can Especially you, when Daly was speaker. If I wanted to get up and talk, I spoke. <laughs> yeah, you got to do that. Well, can you just briefly walk me through the process of generating a bill? What did it look like to propose a piece of legislation? Well, you had to have it done at legislative services. Yeah. yeah. Which was really dangerous. How so? Because they controlled what was in there. And you had to very carefully read and make sure they got it right or mm -hmm. when somebody else wasn't poking them in the ribs. Mm -hmm. So you felt like you had it, to manage. I, actually, in, in my opinion, there were a bunch of liberal Democrats. In legislative services? Huh, interesting. Because they're supposed but, to be nonpartisan, yeah, I know, right? I know, so they are in Washington, too. <laughs> <laughs> but you had to be careful. Mm -hmm. Just double check what was produced well, after you. I had to you... rewrite it. Okay. Yeah. So, because they, they had to do, once you taught them, told them, they had to go along with it. Right. They were, are supposed to be working for us. Okay. So you would present an idea or a piece yeah, of legislation, they it, yeah. and then they would. I wrote some of them. I wrote on a yellow pad. Oh, really? Uh -huh. <laughs> when I was a lobbyist, <laughs> I got them to the Senate that way mm -hmm. in the old days. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, I, I had some good friends over there, and they yeah. were a lot more Democrats, but mm -hmm. they, they went along with the police. The FOP stuff. Sure. And, uh, I, I did write some bills on the yellow pad. Yeah. <laughs> and rewrote them. Uh -huh. And they take it on the floor, making them. In. So, so after you got it back from legislative services, how did you shepherd it through? What it? Who, well, then you got to get got to get a hearing. The committee chairman's got to call it up. So you'd have to uh, get it on the on the list and try to convince them that uh, mm -hmm. if it wasn't something you'd die for, you didn't want to sell your soul to get it. But right. But you introduced it. Sure. Politically. So was there a lot of back and forth in that regards? Like, I'll give you this, but I need you to help me here? Or? Some, sometimes there was. Uh -huh. I was the ranking member of judiciary. Okay. The only non-attorney at the time. And he was scared to death. I, he, he had to be there. Or I would change his bill. Because <laughs> whatever the courts wanted came out of the judiciary. Mm. And uh, one time we were... We're there waiting on, on the chairman to get there, and a new legislator from Lake County, a Democrat, he just got out of law school, and this and that. And uh, I was talking to him, I was battering back and forth. Somehow I, the Constitution came up. I said, what's the Seventh Amendment to the United States Constitution? He didn't know. And I said, well, it, what it says is that in all cases, of law at the common law, which means non-criminal, the common law, in all cases, 
The amount in question is $20 or more. The right to trial by jury shall prevail. He said, they have the Constitution. They just got a law school. I said, I'll bet you $10 in there. <laughs> he said, okay. So I sent the girl who was our clerk back to the Legislative Council to get the Constitution. He paid me. I bet he did. <laughs> he got to be a judge up in, in Lake County. Then he went to prison for corruption. Goodness. Goodness. <laughs> now that's, this is what goes on. Mm -hmm. Down in a box of rocks. So why did people get, in your opinion, involved in politics when they're they're not aware of how it works or or well, the thing is position them to society. Mm -hmm. Look how many attorneys you got over making the law that they want to adjudicate. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I was wondering Gordon Harper was an attorney, he was a conservative attorney. Good mm -hmm. good. They didn't like him too well either, <laughs> but we, we made it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know that, that both groups, you know, there's a Republican caucus and the Democratic caucus and other various caucuses too, mm -hmm. but did you have a sense then because of that and other things of how people would vote prior to actually voting? Kind, kind of, because usually in the Republican caucus, you take a, a straw vote. Mm -hmm. See how it's going to fly. Yeah. Okay. Or if you're going to oppose it, why? You know, Talk it through yeah, beforehand. Yeah. Okay. Well, during your tenure then, what roles did party leadership play? What was the party leadership role? Yeah, like uh, how much power influence did they have? Well, the Marion County tried to have a lot because they had the most. Mm -hmm. Of course, they had the money was here too. But... Uh, did that cause tension between other parts of the state? Yeah, it, it caused some friction, especially in this, the country areas mm -hmm. about Marion County. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but not, uh, you know, not major, but, but it was that, like I said, they were, they were gonna have their speaker, mm -hmm. they thought. They already had one, but they knew they were gonna get a new one. Mm -hmm. but, uh, so party politics played a lot, mm -hmm. but uh, again, there was a little bit of concern about Indianapolis because it was the capital city and sure. most people and most money. Mm -hmm. out here like that. Did you feel like um, your background on maybe lobbying, but also specifically with the police, influenced the type of legislation that you put forth? Well, of course. Uh -huh. yeah. Just because that's what you know, or well, well, that or someone had to do it. Like when they were trying to change the pension because they didn't, they didn't want to pay out all that money, and they wanted to change it for the people. Well, you can't, you don't do something that's already been promised. You know, you had to guard all that all the time. I'd, yeah. I'd stop that stuff. Yeah, that, those kind of things. Sure. But uh, change the age, ages, or jurisdiction, and those mm -hmm. things. Yeah, it, it did, but mostly, I, mostly I was concerned with. Right, wrong, what the Constitution says. Mm -hmm. So that was your primary concern, and yeah, then I the others so. were. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, how? I'm not sure. Like, I would have to think about 
the time frame there, but how, how did your legislative service affect your family life? Were your kids out of the house at that point, or were they still... No, they were still home. Somewhere. They were still home. Did it affect your family at all? Not really. Not okay. Really. Okay. What does the public not know about how the IGA operates? Are there, are there things that happen that we're just not aware of, not necessarily bad or good, but just we the don't... IGA. The, the General Assembly. Oh, General Assembly. Well, they don't know. The public has no idea. Why don't we know? Because how are they going to work? Unless you go out there and hang out, but hanging out, it was been a lot of people do for some time, and you get to talk to their legislators and all that, mm -hmm. but they still have no idea what's going on internally. Mm -hmm. Do we need to know that, or is it just the process is mystified? Well, it's not mystifying, it's just that most people don't care, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. And is they're, that a problem, or does it matter? It's a problem. Okay. Because the government's not to control the people, but the people to control the government. It's a problem. And so if they you don't no know, idea. you can't control. Huh? Huh? If you don't know, you can't help oh, control. Right, right. And you can't stop this from happening. Uh -huh. Yeah, I said, most people have no idea how their government works. Mm -hmm. In fact, most people in government don't know how their government works. Unfortunately, I, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I found a lot. And I'm no genius. I mean, I just, I can read. Mm -hmm. Okay. What were the most controversial legislative issues during your time in the assembly? Well, some of them were on public, paying for public services that they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. That and uh, government control over land and businesses. Mm -hmm. And budget. Mm -hmm. The waste of <laughs> budgets and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just that most people don't know what's going on, unfortunately, and, and, and they don't take the time. Well, uh -huh. most, look, look what goes on now. Most people are playing with their phones. Mm -hmm. Where's that information come from? Mm -hmm. Google. Who controls that? Google. Mm -hmm. Or whatever. Yeah. Uh, most people have no. Most people have no idea that the Seventh Amendment mm -hmm. still prevails mm -hmm. to the Constitution of the United States. So just a lack of understanding about yeah, how lack things of work, and it's not taught in schools. Mm -hmm. It's not not at all. Now I went through a time which you still had some teachers that really were concerned about the students' well-being and their knowledge about what their government's supposed to be. I don't think there's hardly any of that anymore. I know that you had, and I don't know all the specifics, I'd have to look back in here, but I know that you pushed for certain curriculum in schools too. Do you remember some of that? Well, because the, the way I do is because we, when I went to school, grade school, they said a prayer in the morning, mm -hmm. open a school. Mm -hmm. not, a, not a Catholic prayer or a Baptist prayer, just a prayer. Mm -hmm. And the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. Mm -hmm. And now they, now they, when some disaster happens, they have grief counselors from public school. Who do they pray to mm -hmm. <laughs> for their grief? So I did, I had that uh -huh. more should be allowed during public school. In schools, okay. Um, question, so mostly for you it was about 
budget issues and government overreach and things like that that there were yeah. the controversial issues. Right. Okay. What legislation did you work hardest on? What was most important to you? Probably controlling the size of government mm -hmm. and the expenditure, mm -hmm. the taxation. Because that was a constant battle. <laughs> well, you wanted to abolish the income tax, right? Federal. Federal income tax. Okay. You see that? That's that was forbidden by the Constitution. Uh -huh. They changed the Constitution. Okay. See, yeah. Uh, the, it was against the American Constitution to impose an individual tax on the people. The colonies that created the federal government were to pay a tax to have that protection from the federal government. it was left to the states and the people themselves. And uh, nobody teaches that at all. Uh, if the state of Indiana wants to ban handguns, try it. I mean, you, but of course, the federal amendment says you can't. But uh, just rely on, on the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have all these agencies. There's <laughs> somebody you can't count them anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's a losing battle. It's a what? Losing battle, I guess. There's so many entrenched. Mm -hmm. And, and, the, and the, 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 the minds of the people have been warped because it's not taught to schools or the university. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I use a textbook in my class, which costs $3 at the college mm -hmm. It was called The Law. It was written by a Frenchman, Frederick Bastiat in 1848, wow. who saw the, it was a communist revolution then, that was the second one, the right. first one was the French revolution, the second was the, the revolution of 1840, and mm -hmm. the communist law, and Bastiat was correct, but everything he said in that book was exactly what was done in our constitution. Hmm. And uh, it was only 70 some pages, it cost three dollars, the college didn't like that at all, but they had, <laughs> <laughs> had a stock. Yeah. But it's a great book. Huh. Okay. 70, 78 pages of real wisdom. Hmm. And he's, he's not talking about a Christian. He says God created. He says that. Yeah. But it's, you know, God don't make this real. This and that. God created that. Yeah. And he talked about uh, your surfal taxation as legal plunder, legalized plunder. Mm -hmm. And it is. Mm -hmm. Taking money from people without their mm -hmm. knowledge or their will to go up. Mm -hmm. so. Well then, you know, we've, we've talked about this a little bit throughout the interview so far, but when did you actually become involved then in the John Birch Society? 1964, Bird okay. Gore. No, what? 1964, the Goldwater campaign. Oh, the Goldwater campaign, sorry. Okay, that's what... Yeah. I, I knew there was something wrong. And I knew there was a lot going on wrong, and I knew he was saying the right things, mm -hmm. and he was being opposed so bad. Mm -hmm. And that, so that is the election year of Goldwater and Johnson, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> did you join a local chapter, or how, how did you even come to find out about the organization? Well, there I was a policeman. 19, well, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 
And I had friends on a place where I go to conservatives, went to school at high school. And so one day, Bill Schneider, who was on city council of Indianapolis, he still owns Mr. Rice Company up on the north side. Okay, so that name sounds familiar. I well, his that. son was in the state senate. Okay, maybe that's fine. Bill Johnson and Jerry Shine, Jerry Shine worked was for Shorty Brothers for sure. They came to police headquarters trying to recruit, to get some policemen to get active in the job work society. And my buddy that I went to high school with was the death sergeant that day. And Bill Schneider convinced him to come to a meeting of the John Birch Society, a presentation of what we're all about. And I said, oh. He said, well, I've got a friend that probably you want to. So they sent me, they sent in written invitations. It was held in World War Memorial. And the guy they gave the program was Gilbert Forbes, who was a broadcaster for radio station WRA. Hmm. He was a John Birch Society volunteer. Okay. And he gave the, pre the presentation to Robert Welch and gave it in Annapolis. The John Birch Society was founded in Annapolis on the north side. In the house that Mrs. Dice had that. It was founded. He had eight businessmen that come together and meet with John Birch. Well, they said that, and I went to the presentation. What the presentation was, the narrated by Gilbert Forbes, so I knew his voice from the radio mm -hmm. and respected that. Yeah. And here he is, and he gave the film made by Phil, which was the introduction to that initial group on mm -hmm. film. Well, I checked it out, and I read what he wrote, and I decided that he was correct, and I joined. Mm -hmm. Bill Steiner was on the council then, mm -hmm. and uh, it just grew and grew. Mm -hmm. But uh, see, when I don't know, you know Notre Dame, mm -hmm. the law school. Mm -hmm. Dean Mannion, Clarence Mannion was dean of the law school. He was an original member of the John Birch Society. Really? Hmm. His son, Dan Mannion, was in the Senate when I was in the House. He's now a federal judge up in Chicago. <laughs> okay. Dan. But I was, I was friends with Dean Mannion. Mm -hmm. uh, the second number two man in the FBI, Dan Smooth, out of Texas, retired. He's a member of the Jumpers, uh, Reginald Hunter. Hmm. The guy that started Cervell Corporation, Evansville, Indiana, made all the washers and dryers there. Mm -hmm. He was the original member of the Jumpers. Wow. Robert Welch was a, yeah. started, he was the Welsh Candy Company, mm -hmm. the millionaire. Mm -hmm. And he gave and gave and gave. His great-grandfather immigrated to the United States from Wales. His name was Miles Welch. I come from good stock. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But anyway, that, the more he wrote, the more I learned about it. And the story of China is, you have no idea. Mm -hmm. The murder. Mm -hmm. so I had a friend who was a lieutenant colonel from France, but he was, he was an American citizen. He, he was in the United States Army, but he was from originally born in France. Mm -hmm. He was in Vietnam when they sold it out. He was a member of the Jumpers. Mm -hmm. Wow. Renee DeFordo was his name. He was a business fan. So anyway, a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of influential people, but not mm -hmm. dumb people. Mm -hmm. Well read. Mm -hmm. So, okay. well, uh, read the life of John Burke sometime. Yeah. I was reading a little bit on the website, just no, looking more into don't it. Go on the website. Get the book. The book. Who put it on the website? No, the John Birch, oh, okay, the John we'll Birch Society. Read the life of John. It's, it's not long. Mm -hmm. 
He was a junior kid. Mm -hmm. He saved mm -hmm. the, the pilot. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, what was your proudest moment as a legislator? <laughs> Probably introducing Bob Dilley. <laughs> I don't know, we, we had some good things happen mm -hmm. at times. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't special yeah. particular time. Yeah, particular one. Okay. Um, I, I can look this up too, but what committees did you serve on that well, you were called? Well, I was on judiciary. Mm -hmm. I was on uh, natural resources mm -hmm. for a while. Okay, how long was that? You said you were a chair of, or were you on a appointments and claims? Yeah. There was no committee. Okay. But it was listed as a committee. I was listed on, I'd have been discarded, it said appointment of claims chairman. Mm -hmm. But I was the only member. I had an office up on, up above the, the house chamber. Okay. On, on the next floor up mm -hmm. on the, uh, on, the, on the north side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had a secretary. Yeah. And uh, who had been worked in the Senate. Um, uh, she's still friends. She was uh, her husband's lost it with that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had control over all the employees. Wow. You, and the state Republican chairman had to clear through me. And I loved it. <laughs> I bet you did. I bet you did. That's funny. Um, well, let me uh, turn it off. Um. Tell me about the biggest hurdle you had to overcome in office. Was there anything you had to fight really hard for? Just a Republican committee. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, they're always had somebody come against me. Yeah. yeah. Was it because you didn't necessarily share all the same values as them or ideas, or was it because you wouldn't fall in line? I wouldn't fall in line. The Republicans supposedly shared the same values that I did. In the real world, I didn't. Mm -hmm. But because uh, they were phony, they were living off the taxpayers. So I, and, uh, I didn't even know you got a daily allowance. Well, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> what was this check for? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I don't believe they should, political office should be careers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I may be old-fashioned, but I am old-fashioned. <laughs> you're meant you're meant to serve. You go, you're elected to serve, mm -hmm. and uh, you should make a career. No, a pension for doing what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't take any. I didn't get any. What, did you? Um, I mean, I've heard lots of different politicians say that, you know, over the years, you're not supposed to serve. Did you have a time frame? What does that look like for you? No, well, the time frame, I was young, well, sort of young, I was in my 40s, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, a couple terms, I mean, is that? Yeah, I just thought, you know, my time has come. I, we need a sheriff here that's mm -hmm. going to do something. I thought, well, we got a chance to do that. Mm -hmm. And, I, of course, I was eliminated quickly. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I just thought it was time to do something else. Uh, I, again, I, uh, like Woody Burton, he's been he's been to Ursa 40 years, we're damn close. Yeah. Uh, what did he ever do? Nothing. Now Dan was active. Mm -hmm. Of course, he was active everywhere. But uh, he had a pretty wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But he and he he got to Washington, and yeah. Schultz was Secretary of State then. Mm -hmm. And Dan would call me. He said, "That's the way." He said, what, what? "I said, Dan, you're over there. I'm here." I, said, I was when Dan ran for Congress. The Republicans didn't want him either. Mm -hmm. The county chairman and bureau and all. And so they ran. What's that little guy's name? <laughs> he he was, became a, a, a resident hospital. But anyway, they were going to run him. He was a party hack. Mm -hmm. And so I was one of Dan's first contributors. I was going to give him a hundred bucks to go run. And uh, so he he beat the party mm -hmm. and got in. And then who uh, said the guy that <laughs> I can't remember his name. He his wife committed suicide more than much. But, uh, but he was part he was part of a party hack. Turn off. Yeah. <laughs> Careful. Yeah. Well, oh, so I was just going to ask about what do you remember about the? Is it Kritzis? Tony Kritzis. Kritzis yeah. case. Were you in the police department at yeah, the time? Yeah, I was. I was either training commander or else running the planning and research. I, I, my office overlooked the north, to the north up there where it took place. Okay. <laughs> the next block. Yeah. Yeah. So you remember that happening? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was there listening to the police radio. Wow. And I could see what was going on. Yeah. Well, legislation came out of that later too. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I had nothing to do with legislation. Yeah. Okay. That just—that's a crazy story, and I. Yeah. Well, he was crazy, and they put up with too much. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I, I, because they, they they fell down once and the guy's shotgun didn't go off anyway. Yeah. You know, they should have taken the shooter out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But this, everybody was over cautious. Right. Right. And, and the guy who was chief of police was a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. In fact, he tried to make me chief of detectives. Merrill would let him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I've been around. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. He. he Gallagher, we knew Gallagher was going to be chief of police, mm -hmm. politically. Mm -hmm. He came out of the West Side Social Club. <laughs> so he's, Gallagher's not a policeman, really. He was he ran a computer system for the police department. He'd been out on a car, but yeah. Well, he's running the computer, and I'm, well, I'm running the crime laboratory, and what the hell else <laughs> at that time. We're down there, oh, I had lie detectors and blood search, all the evidence. And uh, we're down there late one night, and he said, I want to see him. And I said, okay. And he said, uh, I'm going to be chief of police. I said, that's what I hear. He said, will you be my chief of detectives? I said, uh, yeah, but you can't do it. He said, yeah, they promised me I can appoint my deputy chiefs. I said, Gene, they're not going to let you do that, especially me. I'm an enemy of the mayor. He said, yeah, they'll let me do it. And that's Hudnut at no, the time? It, it was no. Hudnut, yeah. yeah okay. So I, I said, this is getting around, it's time to change offices in December. And, and usually what I did was take the kids to Florida in the summertime, or the winter in Florida. We, I said, I'm going to Florida. I said, call me if you want to. And he, I, I said, I'm not staying around because it's not going to happen. He called me in Florida. <laughs> he said, I can't do it. I said, I'll do that. Yeah. But, but but uh, I had another assistant chief of police during the job purchase mm -hmm. and his wife. She was a police woman. Yeah, you know, so I, I got along with everybody on the police department. Mm -hmm. Politically, I didn't. Yeah. Um, 
did you put me under the doorway and hug Richard Luger? No, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get that on there. Well, his his wife got arrested. He, she she got arrested for drunk driving over Washington D.C. If oh. I was married to him, I'd drink too. <laughs> I'll let that one sit. Yeah. <laughs> um, what? Oh, but I know. I was in charge of intelligence. Mm -hmm. Is it on? It is. Do you want me to pause oh. it? Turn off from that. When he was. Um, oh, by the way, my favorite Chinese friend in Annapolis, who's retired from Rollins right now, his grandfather was vice president under John Karchak's cell as president. Wow. I've got a medal he sent me. That's fascinating. I almost went there to teach. Yeah. I had a letter from the president of the police college. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> That's neat. That would have been a neat opportunity. Um, what, in your opinion, is the most important work of the Indiana General Assembly? Well, try to control the budget. Mm -hmm. and, and, the, and, and the well-being of the people of Indiana. Mm -hmm. uh, worry about liquor bills and stuff like that, panic, or banking. <laughs> uh, why was it? Why was the state of Indiana here? And what are you going to do for the people that you represent? Mm -hmm. That's protection of life, liberty, and property mm -hmm. is my concern. Okay. You addressed this a little bit earlier, but why did you decide to run then for the Marion County Sheriff position? Well, I saw a need. There was a lot of corruption going on then. And, and the sheriff's department didn't have enough people to send out for patrol. Like, sometimes at night, the whole quarter of the city would be protected by one deputy, you know, outside the city limits. Mm -hmm. Or maybe two for the whole county. Mm -hmm. they, they didn't have enough manpower. Yeah. And really weren't doing much mm -hmm. to do about it. And, and the, the sheriff makes a bunch of money by collecting property taxes that haven't been paid. And that was the main goal of those people who got elected, that seemed like, was the people who finally get, when they caught them and made them pay their taxes, the sheriff got, I think, 20, 30, 40% of exact overdue taxes. Hmm. It was a plush job. And they weren't serving the community. Mm -hmm. and so you wanted like someone to do it. Like when I was on a police it. car at Fountain Square, a lot of times there wasn't a sheriff on patrol. We'd have to take the runs. Mm -hmm. I arrested a guy once on the out in the county because the sheriff didn't want to send. So you felt like they weren't doing their job? Huh? You felt like they weren't doing no, their they job? No, they weren't covering what they were supposed to put, but the money was still flowing in. Yeah. Okay. I think they cut that down finally. Mm -hmm. They don't get all, but they made a fortune. Those mm -hmm. guys on. They still make a fortune. Mm -hmm. But now you didn't end up winning. You didn't even. I didn't run. You didn't make file. it in there. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> the handwriting was on the wall. Jim, Jim Kittle. Oh, well, yeah, that's the yeah, Kittle story. He's right. pretty well. He, he was going to be my financier in the millionaire. Right, and they strong armed him. Yeah. The, yeah. They got him out of it. Mm -hmm. Ruckel's house, so they couldn't move, move him. Mm -hmm. Jack, right? Yeah. Jack, yeah. yeah. He said, go do what you want to do. They won't sue you. <laughs> yeah. um, so when then did you leave the General Assembly? 
82. Yeah, I think so. No, you just did not run again? Or? I did not run again. Okay. No. And, and why exactly is that? Well, because they had already dumped me anyway because they, they, were gonna, they had to work on me against the sheriff's office. Because mm -hmm. there, there was somebody else running for the office anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, but again, I didn't want to make a career out of that. Right. So two and a half terms was yeah. enough for you. Well, it was actually three terms. I did yeah. the soul. He never did. He never did get seated. Huh? Okay. Okay. How would you summarize your time as a state legislator? I had a good time. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you made a difference? Sometimes. Sometimes I changed a lot of votes on a lot of things. I think. Mm -hmm. but, uh, I'm, I'm not sure that in the end result, I don't know how to work at the state budget now. Yeah. <laughs> but did you feel... I, I made a difference for a while. Mm -hmm. okay. No, I know I did on the speaker. Mm -hmm. Right. Getting daily in, right? Mm -hmm. you, talk, <laughs> you talk about a bunch of soft sisters. <laughs> well, anyway, that's fun. Okay. Um, I've had I've had a fun life. Uh -huh. I really have. Well, what's your favorite story or anecdote during your time as a legislator? Probably getting Julia Carson to vote for a liberal <laughs> voice vote. Yeah. What What was that? Why was that so amusing well, to you? Because she was, you know, she was down and out, hardcore Democrat, mm -hmm. all those programs and this and that. But I convinced her it was a good thing. The, 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 the income tax was, was not in the Constitution originally and shouldn't be. It's been you know, mm -hmm. misused and all that. And mm -hmm. uh, she went, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you had a pretty good relationship with her. I did. Uh -huh. I did. She, she had a, uh, a lady store down with the old clay pool upstairs. That went uh, there were some shopping centers and stuff. We'd have to put the bank on it. I used to see her down there. Mm -hmm. What lessons, if any, did you learn? None. None. Why not? Well, I, well, I learned that one one person can't do a whole lot, but I know that one. But you can have influence. Mm -hmm. and, well, I already knew that. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I really learned a whole lot. I learned more about the government. It was worse. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not the positive part. Okay. Uh, but uh, some positive things did happen at times. Now, yeah. The last session we were in, Dan Burton and Gordon Harper and I mm -hmm. insisted on lowering the budget in the House caucus. Mm -hmm. And we got a lower about a half a percent. And it passed. Yeah. This is the only time in the history that I know of that anybody lowered taxes in the state. Mm -hmm. But the next session, <laughs> right back up. Yeah. But we did lower taxes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we insisted, Gordon and I and Dan, mm -hmm. that uh, mm -hmm. we come down. Yeah. Okay. How, well, I just have a few more questions here. How did, how has the state of Indiana changed over the course of your lifetime? Roads. <laughs> well, there are a lot more roads. There are a lot, I think there are more people. I'm not really sure. I think the state's lost people. Indianapolis is growing. See, Indianapolis was the large, 12th largest city in the country. I don't know if it's still is or not. But we've lost population because of taxes, I think. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and a lot of people went to Florida. When my wife and I 
I, I had property out in Florida because mm -hmm. I hate cold weather. <laughs> and uh, I bought some land down there and, and, and I traded it in as weather land. But and I had a big boat, a big boat. And uh, I kept it in Monroe for a while. I had a smaller boat down there when yeah. my, I was doing my doctorate. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, but I a bigger boat, so we took it. I took a nine thousand pound boat up to Florida, and uh, but we we became tax registered voters in Florida because didn't, there was no income tax and no property tax on certain things. So taxes were a lot lower down there. Mm -hmm. But to be able to vote and and to get the property tax, you had to be you registered mm -hmm. down there. And then, mm -hmm. So for a while we were registered voters. Just not too long, I don't know, four years. Yeah. Which, uh, the state has changed. I, I don't know. It's, it's not near as conservative as it was politically. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I don't know. The, the neighborhoods have all gone to pieces. The old neighborhoods. Because, like I said, when I was a kid, you could walk anywhere you wanted to go. When I was at Tech High School, the Tech Band, Dance Band, mm -hmm. at Brookside Park, run by the Police Athletic League, mm -hmm. had a dance every Friday night. Of course, there was no alcohol allowed or anything like that. It, we could, you could walk to and from the Brookside Park from where we lived, no problem. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't dare let my wife walk down the street over there, mm -hmm. or my girlfriend, mm -hmm. or anything. Uh, it's changed that so much that Property and life seems to have a lot less meaning to me. I don't know. And I, and I, I fault government and the education system. Uh, like I, I had prayer in school. What's wrong with that? God, learning about God, man, you think man created all this? There has to be a higher power. And to ignore that and, and ignore the rules of mankind, which is thou shalt not murder and all that, it's all gone. Look mm -hmm. what's just the other night where you're in California. I got a friend who lives in Thousand Oaks. In fact, he's a member of the John Brooks Society. One, wrote one of the best books ever on the Federal Reserve. Ed Griffin, what's his name? What was his name? Ed Griffin. Oh, okay. Here's a he does another one. So. <laughs> okay. He won. He won the debate debate honors at the University of Michigan when he was in college, mm -hmm. and he is the best, you know, the best writer here. Mm -hmm. How has the Indiana General Assembly changed? I'm not sure. I really don't know. Uh, it looks like it looks to me like a whole lot of the same. How do these people? stay in office all these years. Well, what they do is send those daily newsletters out and that's it. Uh, and I get them here. What do I like? Turned off. Okay. Pence. I'm interested to hear what you have to say to this. What, if any, enduring qualities do Hoosiers have or hold dear? Do you think there's anything that kind of makes a Hoosier a Hoosier? Well, I think so, if they know the history a little bit. 
that uh, actually again, this is the settlement of the United States, and it's a, it's the trade and the music, music and automobile center for a long time, and uh, they should be proud of it. And I'd like to see the heritage, the heritage, relearn and regain. That really would. Uh, we published a book to help that, and uh, I'll show it to you for you later. Okay. But we sent one a free one to every college, junior college in the state. And by we, you mean John Birch Society? No, the Hoosier Auto Show. I ran, oh, the Auto I Show. Ran, and uh, I mortgaged this place with fifty thousand dollars to publish that book. We got it back. And we wow. sold the book. <laughs> That's good. Um, but no, it's the heritage. Indiana's important. Yeah. It is important. And uh, was like. Where you are right now, in 1861, I think it was, this township voted if, if the southern states pulled out of the federal, they did too. And they, we never came back. This is Sherwood Creek Township in Shelby County. They voted. I did not know that. Yep. I got oh. the newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but anyway, no, there's, there's a lot of history, a lot of heritage. Gatling gun, Richard Gatling, it was a terrible thing, but it made this machine gun. Richard Gatling lived in downtown Annapolis. Right there in Delaware, I think, uh, Michigan. <laughs> uh, it was just an amazing thing. Uh, Ed Whitcomb, who was governor, mm -hmm. sailed the ocean at 90 some years old by himself. I know, it's unbelievable. Uh, and before people before him, it's just ama amazing people we've had here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, and again, due to the location and due to the construction of the railroads later on, the highways and all that, we're still a crossroads of America. Yeah. And I was kind of proud of that. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing I, I must have skipped over at some point here. I didn't ask what you did after you left the General Assembly. What have you done? Well, since then? I, at that time. I was the treasurer for the Hoosier Auto Show, which at that at that point in time was probably the third largest antique car show and vendors meet in the country. I I had a master key at Indianapolis Sports Speedway for twenty years. Oh. We we started the show there. Yeah. And ran it there for twenty years. Wow. Twenty one years. Uh -huh. And I, after Tony Holland died, I had a little problem with the one who just passed on his daughter, Mary Holman. Hmm. That's another whole story. Okay. <laughs> well, she's a bitch. Or was. But anyway, okay. I, I moved to the American County Fairgrounds. Well, okay. So it, we'd had, we're getting to the place where it was made, it was a volunteer thing. Mm -hmm. And I'd been the treasurer since it started in mm -hmm. 67. Mm -hmm. And uh, it got to the place where I was running it. And treasurer, one guy was taking care of the, the vendor spaces and other show cars. And, mm -hmm. And it was getting, your living room was cluttered. So they asked me to take it over and run it. We said, you're retired. And, you know, I, I, wasn't, I didn't want to leave town to teach. I should have, mm -hmm. no, I shouldn't have either. Because I would have had opportunities. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I said, okay, you pay me what I make teaching a little bit. Mm -hmm. Give me an office and this and that, an accountant and a secretary, mm -hmm. and I'll run. 
So I took it over as the executive director. Okay. So I ran that for the next 20 years. Okay. And that and was the Hoosier Auto... Hoosier Auto Show and Swap Meet. And when I, <clears throat> I first took the office over, I, I went in the secretarial building. Because mm -hmm. I, 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 was, I was being the lobbyist for the crime victims. Remember the woman that got shot out there in the West? Probably you know, killed her son, and they thought they killed her blur wig on, shot down drugs. Well, anyway, they had started an organization, crime victims. I was their lobbyist, free. Mm -hmm. but I, so, but I, so I had to need to have an office downtown, so I moved to Hoosier Auto Show office in the circle town. Well, then I found out the, the ramp kept going up, and I looked at the test building across there, like parking inside. For, that went to the office, so I moved the office over there. I'm right on the circle. Yeah, yeah. And so I joined the Columbia Club then too, because I was down to State House and downtown. Sorry. And uh, so, so I ran there for a while, but the rent got so heavy down there. Yeah. That I moved the office to my house. Now, were you still in Indianapolis mm -hmm. at that point? Okay. And uh, ran it for a while there until we moved, and I got it moved, and then I, when we built that building. I put the, the upstairs is, is a living quarters, but it was an office. Okay. And uh, that's above a garage. There. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's everything's up there. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, the whole that whole front wall on the inside is a world map. The wallpaper's map. The that's wall. neat. It's a big building, big space. Yeah. So, so then, did you retire from? Yeah, the, I retired from that. I got to the place where the who. The Marion County Fairgrounds kept raising the rent fee and, uh -huh. and the services kept going down. Mm -hmm. I said, let's chuck it. Okay. And so we, we, sh we shut down the show, but a guy in Franklin took over our dates. And we still got the corporation because we're still selling the book. Mm -hmm. But uh, they took the dates over, Brian. So we just dissolved what we were doing. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so, but we're still the corporate. So, so where, I, don't, where, I don't do anything now but wonder when I get to see my wife again. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, when did you, you were going to go to Florida in there, or you just had the property and we're going to go? This? Well, we had a, <laughs> after we're out here, well, we're out here, but we, you know, we were down there 15 years. I had, uh, I had the boat. Did you just like snowbird down there? Well, I did. Yeah. Uh, we went, and then my secretary would come out here and run the Hoosier Arsenal business, which is in the wintertime wasn't much. Yeah. But telephone and the mail, and sure. I'd call her every day. And uh, she's also a member of the John Merchant's High School. But uh, we had a hurricane down there while we were back up here, and it took, uh, took the boat docks out. Mm. Didn't take the boat, I, didn't, I had the boat back. I took the boat docks down. And I had a huge tree that was, I built a 10 by 20 screen and porch there, the tree was right. Took the tree over and went the other way. I got to, and I got to the place, what am I doing with two properties? Mm -hmm. You know, and maintaining three roofs, four or five heater, water heaters, and so I sold it. Yeah, so then you've been back up here. Came back here, and I hate it in the winter time. <laughs> I still love the location. Yeah. It's a nice location out here. And, uh, but my wife died about two years ago, almost two years ago. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it was lonely. Yeah, I bet. I bet that's hard. 
your kids, some of your kids are still up here? Mm -hmm. Close. Yeah, the oldest boy is in Colorado. Yeah. He runs factories. Mm -hmm. he, he'll stay there because he's got grandchildren and stuff out there. Sure. They're almost in Utah. Grand mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And uh, number three son, the doctor may come back here. Right, just kind of depends. But he'll operate out of my my airplane. Yeah. <laughs> to all these different places. Yeah. And still make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So we own 112 acres in northern Arizona. Wow. He does. It's in my name, but he at yeah. the time. I don't know it, but he yeah, does. Yeah. 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 We got 112 acres there. Mm -hmm. Right, just, just uh, north north of Tucson, northeast okay. of Tucson. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he's here. My, old, my number oldest boy is still here. I may have to take him in because he's crippled up as he is. I don't know. But he's, six, he's 60 now. The other, and my sister still is. She mm -hmm. And she's physically good. Yeah. So. She's a widow. she got money. She married money. She's got a paid for home, brand new one. Wow. And uh, everything she needs. Mm -hmm. Well, is there anything that we haven't covered? Anything that you want to talk about that we didn't get to or I didn't ask? I don't know, I probably. I'll call you. I got your phone number. <laughs> you do, and I'm happy to, to continue the conversation. So, um, well, I think, you know, you answered all the questions that I had. Yeah. And it was I, but I had a good time down there. I really did. And yeah. Even though I was the opposing force at times, it was okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, you, you just, the guys that run the housing projects used to come and see me, and you know, stuff like that. I'd laugh at them. Yeah. Well, but I was cordial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. Well, like I said, I think that's all the questions I had. Well, um, are I, you okay with signing the sheet there? I don't and, care. Let's see, where did I? Here's one of them. I gave you, here's that one, and you can keep a copy for your records. Okay. Anyway, that's the different, there we go. Keep one for yourself, and then one here. Do I need to sign this soon? Yep, I'll give him a pen here, and I'll go ahead and turn this off while we're doing that then.